Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbardton, and who's trying to go get some power converters with me tonight? The podcast guest you're looking for, Carrie Chandler. And Peter Bingham Pancrat standing by. <laughs> and we are here. We This is also a Patreon episode brought to you by Patreon. You guys voted for this. You can go sign up on our Patreon for as little as a dollar and vote in our monthly poll. And this poll was to decide what Star Wars movie we should cover. And I had Solo on there just because I like Solo. But of course, nobody voted for Solo, which I'm not surprised in the least. But <laughs> Solo is a fun movie. I like Solo. I like Solo more than I should. Way more than I should. Solo. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here to talk about my favorite Star Wars movie, A New Hope. Came out in 1977. My God. Long time ago. Yeah. Yes. Were any of us born? No. Nope. All right. <laughs> I'm usually the oldest person on these podcasts, so I, was, but I wasn't sure. 34. So I'm 39. I don't think I, I, don't think I even saw this in theaters. I don't think so. Even when it came out, I don't think I went and saw this one. I can't. I know I saw it for the Jedi. You didn't see the special edition? I don't remember. That was, uh, you know, I, my dad, who I didn't go to the movies with a lot, but he would take me to movies occasionally. He and I went and saw each of the special editions in the theater. And I, I bet that was the first time he ever saw Star Wars and the only time he ever saw it, but he did it for me. (laughs) So, but no, I was born the year that uh, I was born a month after Empire hit theaters. So, okay. (laughs) And this was directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas back when he actually knew how to make good movies <laughs> a long time ago. So <laughs> long time. <laughs> I don't think we need to say any more about the I mean, people know know what this is. So, yeah. Are right. we going to do- talk about like the origins of how he came to write this movie? Sure. I don't know yeah. him very well, but sure. I mean, I could talk about it a little bit. I'm just kind of talking out of my, my out of my butt, not looking up things. But um, he he wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie. Mm hmm. And so he, I don't know if you guys grew up watching Flash Gordon or not. They would play, they would play it on TBS on like Sunday afternoons sometimes when I was a kid. But he wanted to make a, he was like, he really liked the Flash Gordon, like, I guess the radio serials. And he wanted to make, and then there were the Flash Gordon movies and he wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie. And he wrote a spec script, which is just like a, or like a treatment. So just like a, like three or five page, like outline basically of a Flash Gordon movie that was like a riff on the uh, the Japanese movie Hidden Fortress. And the, whoever whoever owned Flash Gordon at the time was like, no, we're not letting you near our Flash Gordon. That's too, that's too, that's too precious for this young you know, indie filmmaker. I'm glad that they turned him down. I'm glad they turned right. him down. Yeah, imagine the timeline where he had just made a Flash Gordon movie. And that would have probably been it. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't think, yeah. have gotten. He, yeah, I mean, he probably would have gotten some other stuff, you know, little things, but he would not have become the juggernaut that he became. And then, you know, there was, there was still, you know, still room for originality back in the late 70s. So, yeah, you could still I, have I, a hit with things. Exactly. I just wonder, like, would it have been good? Because I don't know if you guys have seen Flash Gordon, but those movies are garbage. I know. I think I've seen I've seen some of the old black and white serials. Um, yeah, they're very. That's um, what he was going for, but. They're pretty, what are they, almost 100 years old at this point? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Similar. I know, I've, um, I've only seen the movies that were made in the 70s. And uh, I think, is it is it, uh, is it Queen that does the soundtrack? It's made, no, it's not Queen. It's somebody else. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Queen. I think they made it in 1980. They said, in response to Star Wars, they said, this movie's oh, a big hit. Okay. I bet and that's so they the made a movie. I've seen, actually. Yeah. 
And I think that was a failure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it had to be because I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I just if remember you, him throwing yeah. a silver football <laughs> at somebody. Like yeah, a that's, football at someone. That's the 1981. It's one of those glut of movies that came out and they said, this movie's a big hit. Let's make everything like Star Wars. Ice Pirates. Ice Pirates. How'd that work out? <laughs> I mean, this movie is special in all shape and forms. I mean, so really we should nice. also talk about what version we watch because right. there are two versions of this movie. One that only well, exists <laughs> in very limited quantities now. There's there's probably several versions now at this point. Uh, I, I'll just say what I watched. I watched the um, the Blu-ray edition, so I have the physical copy, which is basically a special edition with each version so you know they had the special edition and then they had the dvd version and they had the blu-ray version and then the disney plus version each time there's one or two things that got tweaked in later editions so whatever one you watch there's things that will tell you which version you know there's a clue that will tell you which version you're watching but i watched the blu-ray so okay yeah i i have the um so i went back and bought the the dvds that are in like the bronze and black case right that have they have the so they're i think they're the special editions but then they have a second disc for each movie that is the original theatrical cut. Oh, right. wow. And so that's why I went back and bought those um, at not a small expense. Um, I think it was like $45 for each one. But I just right. wanted to have because all I have is I have the original Fox VHS for A New Hope and oh, no, no, for Empire and Return. And then I have, of course, the the ones that I think a lot of us grew up with in the 90s, the the. Um, the VHSs with the the faces on them. Yeah, the start off with those <laughs> yeah. like really cool interviews with uh, him and Leonard Ma- uh, Lucas and Leonard Malton. <laughs> those are the ones I grew up watching over and over again. For this, yeah, I was he- lazy. I was lazy. I just watched it on Disney Plus. <laughs> Same. Well, I don't own anything. I just Disney Plus is the safest way to watch it. So I'm like, I'm just watching Disney Plus. Wait, I do own this on DVD. I don't Here's- know probably special edition so. Here's the thing, like, if you watch it, I'm assuming on Disney Plus looks the same, but on the Blu-ray, you know, it's, it's the best quality you'll ever see. Like, yeah. it looks, Star Wars looks the best. And, you know, I'm sure streaming it may, it probably looks almost as good as a, as a Blu-ray. But I was, I was remarking, it's like, I've never seen it in such detail. Like, I've never <laughs> seen, like, all the dust and everything. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Disney Plus version is the, I think, I'm pretty sure it's the Blu-ray transfer. I mean, it, it looks, oh. it looks very, very good. Yeah, yeah it, it looks, looks fine. Very, looks very high quality it's not 4k but right. it's it's still very it's yeah. definitely hd north yeah, it, it does look very good I, I just wish i wish they offered a you know the options to see different versions right i don't know why the theatrical version is so hidden at this point well i don't I, well, get it you know under last, Lucas, it made sense because he didn't want people to see it i think they asked so the last i heard of it was i think it was bob Iger or someone or maybe it was J.J. Abrams. Somebody got asked when the Disney movies were coming out, and they said, that's George Lucas's baby. We don't want to touch it because he, he did everything with that, and we don't want to ruin his vision. And then they said something about how it was hard to come by the original transfer, which I assume is just BS at this point. So, <laughs> I mean, so there is like kind of a thought of like to get a D- – Disney doesn't ever want to put something out that's not the very highest quality version. Right. And, you know, there probably is some money and time expense into taking those old versions and making them look good enough for Disney standards, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that the makes theatrical sense. cuts on that DVD, I mean, they look like the theatrical cut. They don't, they're not an HD or anything. Right. So it's yeah. like, you know, I think Disney, if they, 
were to put out the theatrical cut, they would want to do like a 4K transfer or 4 4K upgrade to it that is probably just not worth the money to them because it's only a small contingent of nerds on the internet who are who, who care right and you know they just have to wait they just have to wait for us to die off and then everyone will think that star wars has had all this cgi bullcrap in it yeah they i like have. the special edition i have Maybe. no problem with it in new hope at all i have many problems with it we're gonna get we're gonna get to that mike when we're gonna yeah. we're gonna oh, test yeah. your we're gonna test your metal with that one <laughs> Yeah. I mean, again, like I'll, when I when I was watching this last night with my wife, I was starting to explain to her what was different and what wasn't, and it wasn't too long before she passed out on me. I'm like, okay, I see. <laughs> that's you know what? That's what Disney is counting on. That's, Disney is counting yeah. on your wife to be the normal reaction, like boring robots and, and animals, blah blah blah. I just, yeah. I think Disney is counting on you know the next gen. My son, who says his favorite Star Wars movie is Rise of Skywalker, and <laughs> it's, it's just like. Hey. Yeah, you know, eventually that'll just be, these will be the old ones. What, what, Mike, is that your third favorite Star Wars? Is that, uh... Oh, God, when I saw it in theaters, I, cr- I cried, I loved it, I have not seen it since, and I'm scared to go back to it. I was well, last, terrified. Last, that was the last movie I saw in the theater before COVID. And, um, oh, I mean... Oh, that was the first one that I saw in a theater that I didn't like when I saw it, because as much as I hate the prequels, I'll admit that I liked them when I saw them in the theater, but... Rise of Skywalker, that was the one where I was like, I came out of the theater going, oh. I'm, yeah, I'm one of the few. I'm glad. I'm, to- I'm also terrified that when I go back to it, because my plan is starting with this one, that we're going to cover all nine of them and the other two movies, and, four, and that will be the very last one we cover. So I'm scared that my opinion will not be the same. I'm positive. So Yeah, of, of, <laughs> the, non, of the non-original trilogy, the only, ones, the only one that for me like holds up on rewatch is Rogue One. All the others, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, like I like Solo, I like Force Awakens, but I'm still like, eh. I don't like I see, I see the cracks. I do not see the cracks in the original trilogy, though. I don't see the cracks in A New Hope. I love this movie so much. It's also, this is completely a standalone movie, really. Like, I mean, that's how it feels. Like, it, totally. You can tell it was totally not just meant one movie. to be a part of a, of, a, of a series, like what it becomes. It was meant to be, I'm going to make a movie. It's going to have an enemy. It's going to have, you know, a a history of what happened before it that we're going to talk about, but not really talk about. And then we're going to have a, have a story wrap up with a villain getting defeated. Yeah. And he, he really tried to build up this like mythology that he had planned out this whole thing around it, but that is complete crap. Like this was (laughs) absolutely a one and done idea. And he just left it open to the possibility of a sequel, but him putting episode four at the beginning, that was just, again, that was a callback to those flash Gordon serials. It was just like, you know, make it look like it's in the middle of something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, that, point. And, and that episode only came after, you know, Empire, Empire Strikes Back. That oh, was right. That's true. The original yeah, theatrical so, cut didn't have that. So. Yeah. So it was, it was simply, it was only put in there after the sequels because he was thinking, at least according to him, he was thinking about <laughs> doing more movies like one, two, three. How'd that work out? Well, it's interesting. You know, it's, there are there are like internet like there's a primitive internet message boards from like the eighties and stuff, like the late eighties and mid eighties, and they they always they you can go back and find them archives. You can find like nerds at the time talking about, oh, what will the prequels be? Because it was a thing that he knew that would happen. And it's like it's like the earliest speculation, like, you know, ten, twelve years before there were even the prequel movies, you could hear what they have to say. And sometimes it's very interesting. If I can find the link, I can, can send some stuff to you. But it's it is very interesting to read that stuff. It is. I, 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 um, 
and and even in the 90s like i remember being like a teenager in the kind of mid 90s and i would occasionally i didn't subscribe but i would occasionally get my mom to let me buy when i was like 12 10 whatever to buy like a copy of star wars insider when i'd see it at the newsstand right and uh i can i can remember it was like maybe 95 or 96 when he started filming uh phantom menace and so i had a i had a copy i had a copy i have still a copy of star wars insider where it has just some behind the scenes photos of him and the crew scouting locate like getting locations ready in tunisia to and so we're like so we knew it was going to come back to tatooine and we're like oh what could this be about like what is we know it's a prequel so what are we right. going to see on tatooine like and then I, I know that a lot of the speculation was, oh, this will have to be about the Clone Wars, right? Because right. You know, <laughs> Obi Wan talks about serving with Anakin in the Clone Wars. And I remember when I was watching this movie, you know, it's whenever I watch it, I always watch it in the view of when I was, you know, ten and wondering, like, oh, they're going to address that. Like, I'd see Obi Wan talking and be like, oh, they're going to address that in the prequels, or uh-huh. you know, oh, that's that scene will come up in the prequels, or that will, and you know. There's so many points in the movie where I, I can remember, you know, speculating so much about what would eventually be told. And it was always very different than what we saw on screen. But yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was like, a fun time. You know, and this is also like because I mean, it's like for me, like for when, my biggest introduction to Star Wars in this movie. I mean, yes, I think I did see it on TV randomly at time, but it wasn't really till the special edition where I'd seen it more like special edition what i really remember is star wars i don't really remember the theatrical cut i mean they were sure i'm sure they were on tv and stuff but they're not the ones that when i think a new hope i think of all the extra scenes that make you guys upset that make me happy (laughs) (laughs) that that is that is funny i never would have thought about that i never would have thought about that either yeah but i remember watching them on i had the my father had the laser discs so that's how we that's how we watch it and so when the oh go ahead uh, when the special edition came out, I wasn't upset about that stuff. It was only later as I got more an adult when they said, no, this is the version that will always be shown. Only later that I say, oh, I want the experience of my young childhood to have. I want to see those movies again. I don't want to see Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett in there. Hey, yeah, I'm, that, that is I'm OK with that. <laughs> I, I'm 100 percent fine with the special editions being there. I just Ooh. want access to the to the original versions also. Right. It should be. I mean, especially because the fact that like it can't be I really don't believe it's that hard at this point to put them some shape or form, throw them as a bonus thing on a DVD or a Blu-ray like it's or Blu-ray at this point. It's not hard. I mean, well, like we were saying, they did that with the the DVDs that I have. And actually, you were what I was going to say is the laser disc you were talking about. That's the version that is on that bonus disc on the DVDs I have. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the laser disc transfer. And there's. there's no way that doesn't exist anymore. This is not like, you know, I mean, how we, it's not like video games. Video games were thrown away when they were done because they weren't, you know, especially early video games. But like stuff like this, like they've proven it's on other things. It exists. It's just Lucas is an idiot and doesn't want to bring he I don't get he doesn't want him to bring back old, the old stuff for some reason. Well, I think if especially if you look a lot at like his original script and his original storyboards and stuff, I think one of the most important secrets to Lucas's success is having his then wife, now ex-wife, there <laughs> to edit him, and, and also not having a budget because there's so many things he wanted to do that would have been just outright stupid. Like Han Solo was supposed to be a fish person, <laughs> first of all. Han Solo was supposed to be a fish person, and then was it Obi Wan that was supposed to be have a droid head? There was. It sounds that sounds right. 
it just he wanted it to be more fantastical. Yeah, yeah. He did. And, 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 and maybe that would have worked, but like he was held back from doing certain stuff. And then when he had you know more money than God, he can come back and do whatever he wants to do. And I think most of the changes he made were bad. Like some of them are fine. Like we could talk about a few of those. I know because we were talking about it when we were all watching. Like the dewbacks, adding the dewbacks when the stormtroopers are searching in the dunes and they find the, you know, it's like, look, sir, droids, you know, they find that, that random part that fell off of, you know, R2 or C3. I love that guy. I, I yeah. love when he pops up and go, look, and he has a little circle piece. I just, I laugh every time I see that part because he's just so stupid. off. But you know, I, I always say it's fine, but like adding the dewbacks to that part, it's fine. It's cool. It's whatever. But then when you're in Moss Eisley and there's so much CGI crap on the screen that they're like blocking our view of the scene and you've yeah. got like the little like vignette of the the droid carrying the like metal log and the other like little hover droid knocks it out of his hand and he bonks him and just all that kind of stuff. It detracts from the movie. Like that establishing shot of Moss Eisley, Moss Eisley from 77 is amazing. It's like such a cool scene because it looks like it's actually because it is real. Oh, they by the way, this entire town in the desert. And then the CG version, you just cover up half of that stuff with random things walking in front of the camera. And it that that's was just a mistake. That droid not, with the log was a playset, yes. by the way, that I have. Well, I have that droid right on the damn head right there. <laughs> I know twice. I mean, that's what that's what it was to me. I mean, I don't remember how old I was, but I know I've had a bunch of Star Wars toys from this set that, that this is the sets that came that's out around this time. I just regret I, not being intelligent enough to buy certain toys. Like I wish I had a Mara Jade figure and I had it in a box because I just like her, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked at Target when Phantom Menace came out. That was my first job. I was a teenager working at Target the year that Phantom Menace came out. And so I like I bought I used that Target discount and I bought like probably 50 Star Wars figures while I worked there. And they're so they're mostly from this. They're mostly not from Phantom Menace. They're mostly this. Uh, they're I think they're called greenbacks. They're this a uh, blackboard with like a green like swoosh across it. And they're they're mostly from I think the special editions is it's like from that that run. I don't I mean, they're not necessarily from the movie, but I mean. Yeah, so that's what most of mine are. I gave them to my son. He had no interest in them, and so I ended up just selling most of them. I just have a few still around. Oh, okay. I, I, I kept them in box forever, kept them like mint on card forever, and then I started looking up the value, and I was like, oh, this Darth Maul I have is worth $12. This Darth Vader I have is worth $18. Eh, I'll just give him yeah. my son. He'll enjoy yeah. it. So I let him open all of them, and he played with them like for – I don't know, 10 minutes on Christmas morning and then never again. So, <laughs> just not as thick. Oh, I mean, each their own. I had a buddy of mine who had the entire, I forget, the, the, the greenbacks for something it was called. He had the entire set in box in his closet at one time. When we, this is wow. back then. I don't know whatever happened to them. If he sold them, if he kept them, if he opened them, he threw them away. But he had the entire set. Was yes, sadly. They did, they, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it was the Power of the Force. Maybe that was yeah, Power of the Force. Power of the Force, yeah. They're like 90, it's like 97 to 99, something like that. But that's really what, I mean, that's what the special edition did for these movies, too, is that they really brought the vibe back in the excitement for these movies. Like, I mean, for so many people, that's their first take of seeing the special editions. Like, but you guys are saying, like, when the old people die off, they won't, you know, that's why they won't release them. Nobody will care. 
Right. Yeah, because when I was a kid, Star Wars toys, like, unless you found them at, like, a flea market or something, they weren't in stores Not for anymore, most right. of my childhood. There was, you yeah. know, my son, like, has so much Star Wars Legos. Like, he and I've, I mean, I've got behind me on the shelf behind me, I've got the Star Wars, uh, the smaller version of the Millennium Falcon, not the, like, $500 one, but still, like, the $150 Millennium Falcon and all that. Like, and I was like, I told him, I was like, there was no Star Wars Legos when I was I mean, there was no branded Legos at all when I was a kid. There was, like, you know, desert temple playset that looked a lot like Indiana Jones, but that was about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's like, I remember I had a Luke Skywalker that I got at a, garage sale that was missing his right foot and it was from the like the kenner like the line from the early 80s or late 70s it was the return of the jedi one (laughs) so so early 80s but i have two classic figures from that line i have a royal so i have a royal guard because they're my favorites and i have a snow trooper somewhere those are those are like my two favorite stormtroopers too so (laughs) snow troopers look so cool just the way that this movie opens up too, I want to talk about like you have I mean, oh, the yeah. word that, that's not important, but like the way that you're you're thrown into this world in chaos where you have a ship being attacked by a bigger ship. And you don't really know what the hell is going on. It's such a good way to start a movie. It, it's such a beautiful establishing shot that like, you know, scrolling over the planet and the, the ship, you know, that the Star Destroyer chasing the blockade runner. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the audience is I was, you know, you it helps to do this as view this from the lens of somebody at the time and audiences were blown away by that scene on the big screen with no idea what to expect. You're like, Oh my God, this is a huge ship. There had never been anything like that. Like no. nothing, nothing came close to that. Yeah. I and mean, also, they, they invented Photoshop for the, for <laughs> this movie. Uh, I, I believe it was this one. It was that, yeah, they had to basically, they, what became Photoshop was invented by the special effects team because they didn't have the tools to do what they wanted to do. I also got to say that because I've watched way too much Star Trek recently, I was like, can they start shooting the ships? I'm like, wait, what about the shields? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. Wrong franchise. Yeah. Because <laughs> they yeah. just shoot the ships. It doesn't blow them up or anything. It just damages them. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Only only, only shields in the uh, extended universe. Shields make more sense, though. If you in... read the books, they had um, they're like they had ray shielding and um, they had shielding for like asteroids and stuff. But but that's based on the books, which is, you know, not canon anymore. Her- heresy. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I can I prefer, think of. I prefer heresy to non-canon. Uh, I mean, there's just some. I just love the way everything opens up. I I, I yeah. love how it it drops you into this, and you know, Vader is a character who doesn't really come off like you 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 you're given like, oh, this is this terrible person, and he's you know powerful, but he doesn't really do a whole lot in the beginning. But just you know, the he's idea so of big. he's so big, he's, he's yeah. big, he's imposing. He's definitely the villain that people responded to, and that you know is the villain, but he's not. He's not as much of a badass as you'd think. He's kind of he's kind of just a weird guy that's there in this mm-hmm. movie. And you know, all the Imperials think he's just the weird guy. And I love that. No one quite knows what to make of them. And they're kind of annoyed by him more than anything, especially Tarkin. They're all like, ugh, this guy's back. Yeah. And if and it's just the way the movie was presented, because it didn't have any of the backstory of him, it didn't really have a lot of his powers. He was just this old guy who followed this religion. No, nobody quite knew what his deal was, but you could tell he was very powerful, I guess. So I, I have a thought about about this, and I might be going getting a little too weeb on it, but that's fine. There's this there's this whole thing, you know, in Japan, the Meiji Restoration that happened in the 1860, 1850s, 60s, 70s, where Japan was leaving the samurai behind 
and becoming this imperial power that would eventually be, you know, the imperial Japan that we fight in World War II. And you've got all these like crusty diplomats or not diplomats but these like bureaucrats now running the country but you still you still have these like elderly or old samurai who are still trying to stick to their traditional ways and i mean the the tom cruise movie uh, the last samurai i must say as a history teacher is actually uh, quite pretty damn accurate and that movie gets a lot of unfair criticism for uh, i don't know because it's funny to say oh the last samurai starring tom cruise I think yeah. I've ranted on this podcast before. He's not the last samurai. Ken Watanabe is the last samurai. But I like that movie too a lot. I love that movie. That movie is amazing. But that movie is, to some extent, accurately depicting that you know clash between new imperial Japan and old samurai Japan. And Vader, his armor is based off of samurai armor, and he carries a sword, and he's amongst all these like bureaucrats who are the new thing. And his old way is no longer the new, his old way is no longer the way, but he's holding on to it and they don't respect him for it, but they are a little fearful of him because he represents this like dangerous past. And I yeah. don't know if Lucas was really working on that wavelength or not, but I feel like he might've been to some extent working on that. Cause that really, I mean, I think we're saying, I think Peter, you're saying this is your favorite scene in the movie is the, the boardroom scene. Right. It's my favorite non-battle scene, I would say. Yeah, is, is and I agree. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite. Well, it um, really shows you, I mean, this is when you start to kind of see what Vader can do because you see him choke out a guy. And mm-hmm. I do like seeing how Vader is really not in charge. I mean, he is, but he, he you know, he's more of just that, that guardian or that guy, or the dog you let off the leash type of thing. He doesn't, he's not a member of the military like these guys are. Yeah, it doesn't it's clear ha- that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's clear, yeah. He doesn't have a rank or anything. You can tell he's not he's, he wouldn't be on a chart of the hierarchy. Like he may not even be listed. But like when you're coming to town, you know the emperor is is taking an interest in what you're doing. So yeah. it's not like he's officially announced, but like he's like, oh shit, he's coming. It's clear that he has been told to do what to follow Tarkin. Right. Like that's clear from that scene, because Tarkin, all he has to do is say, Lord Vader, and that's it. He lets yeah. go. So it's like it's clear <laughs> that he's like, I am above all of you. I'm not afraid of any of you. I'm going to do what Tarkin says because I'm choosing to follow what Tarkin says because yeah. presumably we, you know, the emperor has told him to. Yeah. But yeah, I really, I really like that. I like the, the, when Tarkin comes in and they're talking about like, Oh, the, you know, the Senate won't stand for this or whatever. It's like, <laughs> the Senate's just been dissolved. There's no right. more government. I, I really like that too. Yeah. Because I, I, oh, well, I was just saying, yeah. I love rogue one. And Rogue One, is, that happens in Rogue One, is they talk about the Senate has just been dissolved. Because you have political, but you don't have political overruling the entire story and making it annoying and not fun for people. I mean, you ha- you have the politicalness, so it, it shows you that this is a government. It shows you this is, you know, a more civilized civilization. But it doesn't get into, like, how, you know, other movies get into it, like Phantom Menace. It, 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 it's yeah. there, but it isn't too much. And, I, and I, that's great. And and I, I do think that's something Lucas did a good job of is, you know, he based the empire off of the Nazis, right? The, the not, you know, the, the Nazis, they, they refer to the, the members of the SS as stormtroopers. And so we have the stormtroopers and the uniforms are similar. And then, and, and then, yeah, the, the way Hitler took power with, you know, first, you know, becoming chancellor and then dissolving the Senate and then becoming, you know, the sole authority. He's following those kind of, I think it's it's good. He borrows from history really well. Yeah, 
There's also, <laughs> I know Lucas said it was also a Nixonian thing. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was going on around the time. And um, how the Emperor was originally written, at least in the book, in the novelization, it opens up with kind of a Nixonian thing where the Emperor kind of Machiavellian takes control and then he becomes a puppet of his advisors and things like that. But that was definitely on his on his mind too. But yeah, certainly certainly Nazis are the biggest are the biggest uh, influence, biggest influence. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these are all you know they commit genocides where they blow up a whole planet and they're just like, well, well, let's go on to the next thing. And it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all evil, but they're but they're Nazi evil. They're like bureaucratic evil. They're like very methodical about it. I'm sure they well documented all the planets they blew up. So. Well, and it's an interesting thing. Also, you think about it. I mean, the scale, right? Of killing billions uh, uh, billions of people on Alderaan, right? Yeah. But you're in a galactic empire with presumably thousands of planets, so there right. are quintillions of people. And so it becomes a much smaller thing to, like, oh, yeah, well, that's just one of 10,000 planets in the empire, so... You know. Yeah. I'm sh- I'm sure that's how they justified it. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I'm sure they, you know, controlled the message, because one thing that Hitler, you know, did, that kind of the empire does, too, because that's what they're based on, is that they you, you control what people hear? Yeah, I mean, cause I know, like with Hitler, if I remember correctly, he bought all the radio stations and controlled the me- the the message that you heard. So you all you all you heard was his truth. Yeah, and that's kind of what the Empire does too. You know, like, I mean, you don't really see it in this movie too much, but in general, the Empire controls everything that people know. Yeah, it's 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 all propaganda at that point. Once you get it, it's interesting you know, to kind of come back to this movie also in thinking about the Empire. <laughs> what is Luke's dream? Join the Empire. Yeah, he wants to be a yeah. Tie Fighter pilot. And you can tell, you can tell, and you know, he knows about the rebellion because when C three PO brings it up, and it's kind of like he's kind of like you know of the rebellion. So I feel like it's hard to know what he thinks. Like he wants to join the Empire, but at the same time, this rebellion intrigues him. I guess if you there is that yeah. deleted scene where he talks to Biggs, and Biggs is that like, good. "I'm going to join the rebellion." Yeah. That yeah. was really good. I wish they that was in the movie. They should have left that in. Yeah, that that's something I wish they had left in. Because I was I was watching that for the first time. Because you Peter had sent the link to it on YouTube, and I'm watching this. I'm like, this really should have been in the movie. Because Biggs is in one scene near the end. Wait, does right. Biggs die in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He but he's in one in scene where it's like he's a great pilot. It's so good to see you. And I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like he mentioned him. He mentioned him. He goes, Biggs and I. I was gonna, you know. Biggs and I were going to go to Tashi Station and pick up some power converters. Right. Yeah. So he mentions them, but yeah, they should have left that scene in to give to give that context and to give Luke more. It makes conflict. Luke a better character because Luke yeah. is a whiny brat in this movie, and he doesn't really have much. But that little scene with him going to a bar, or going to a place, other people, and you just have this very little scene. Really, I felt made would have worked in this movie better to make the character more and also kind of introduce the empire a little bit more. Like, yes, they're recruiting people from all over the place right. and that it introduces the rebel Alliance in another way versus I just, I liked the way it flowed better. I wish it would have been in this movie a lot. And I, yeah. I was surprised to think that it would have added some thoughtfulness to him joining the rebellion instead of just like, Oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah. I was because talking about going to become a Imperial, but now yeah, I'll join the rebellion, sir. Sure. Which makes sense. I mean, they don't have a lot of options, especially on this desert planet. You don't have options. So it makes complete sense that he would join the the Nazi equivalent because at least it gets him out of where he's at. You can always go wherever because be a moisture farmer. (laughs) I mean, Tatooine is a backwater planet. Like, I mean, we already seen like hell. I mean, there's not a lot there. Like, it's not a great place. Mm hmm. 
So I completely get it, but I just I think maybe they they took out that scene because they didn't want you to associate Luke. You know, he wanted to join the Nazis. Also, he's a bad guy type of thing. Maybe I, I would say they it probably got cut for timing because it's like, where do you put it? Like, I think the movie as it stands works and it flows and it goes pretty quickly. And that yeah. as good a scene it is, it does slow things down because where would you put it? Where'd you put when it? You, in the midst that of, should like, be your first minutes. introduction to Luke. Instead of but, Luke, Luke, come here. I think that's a I think that's a good introduction of Luke as it is. And yeah. I think it's just a problem of it's a that's good true. scene, but it's hard as a filmmaker to know where to put it. Okay. Yeah, that's true. It it would be I'm not sure exactly where you would put it, because you do kind of need that opening. Because you have to show him on the farm with his family for the right. death of the family to have any meaning. Right. Yeah. And hey, and the best part, he's playing with a tea hopper toy. I, I laugh yeah. every time I see that part now, too. Yeah. yeah. Sky hopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You fly. I uh, love I that. In, um, is it uh, I think it's oh gosh, there is a there is a LucasArts game. Rebel Assault. Was the Rebel Assault where that's <laughs> Rebel, like you do first, fly a sky hopper. Mission, yeah. You fly yeah. a sky hopper. Yeah. It's not. CD. It was it was Sega CD, yeah, and I think for PC as well, yeah. Okay, you had so it. I, my, I remember specifically my my friend who introduced me to Star Wars. My best friend, he had a Mac, and he got this like LucasArts like value pack at Sam's. His mom came home was like, "Look, I got these." She was always she was like into games and stuff too, and she came <laughs> home. She's like, "Look, I got this like value pack at Sam's, and it had like Maniac Mansion, Full Throttle, Sam and Max, and then it had a Star Wars flight sim on it." that started with you flying through Beggar's Canyon in a T-64 Skyhopper. So what you're saying, it was a game your your mom, his mom found, huh? It was a game his mom found, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure I just love the T-Hopper a lot. I, I yeah, love the yeah. idea of it, and I, I yeah, wish my, there would have been figure, My figure of Luke on my, my, my figure that I kept of Luke on my um, shelf over here has that as like the accessory. He has it's, it's from that scene. You know, oh. Mike. You can you, you know, Mike. You can see in the background. It's the painting. It's the matte painting in the background of Luke's hut or whatever. I I, I like. I also found it funny, like because I guess this is canon now that when he goes and buys the droids, that that red droid that blows up did it on purpose so R two could continue his mission. That is so stupid. Agreed. So, <laughs> God. Agreed. But I guess <laughs> it's canon for some reason. They just want to like make J. everybody. Yeah, this is like J.K. Rowling saying that wizards walk around shitting themselves. Like, there's yeah. no reason to say that. There's no reason. You're allowed just to trying, think that as the author. There's no reason to say that. Yeah, they're trying to explain everything and absolutely everything. It's like, don't do that. Don't explain absolutely everything. Oh, yeah. And I also, I guess I didn't realize until this watch through or I, or I was more aware of it and thought it was so funny that the whole mission he goes on to say, that ends up saving the world is all because she's pretty hologram. Ooh, what a pretty girl. I better go find yeah. her. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it makes complete sense. But Are, we we have not seen a single female on this planet other than his aunt. So <laughs> I could I could, could see it. He's like, ooh, a woman. This is the equivalent of like getting that JC Penny catalog and flipping to the bra section when you're back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, nor yeah. Got to take what you can get. It was just funny. It, it was just funny to me that and and the whole thing of how he puts together. Oh, Ben Kenobi. Oh, Obi Obi Wan Kenobi. Hey, there's an old guy named Ben Kenobi. Like, I'm like, I mean, okay. it does. What if he knows do, Obi Wan? <laughs> only, only in retrospect do you wonder. Like, okay, so why would they? You know, this is the son of basically Hitler, and let's keep his name. Let's keep make it, his name is Luke Hitler, basically, and let's keep his name the same. And <laughs> you know. I'm I'm a wanted Jedi. Like they kill everybody else. So my name is Obi Wan Kenobi. So I'll change it to Ben Kenobi. No one will find me. 
and, and I'm uh, gonna and I'm gonna leave him with Hitler's stepsister and <laughs> right. brother-in-law. They'll never exactly like. Presumably, he won't ever come back to this planet. You know. Well, he does hate sand. That's, I mean, that's, that's as good an explanation of any of why he never goes back. I know it, it's yeah. when you think about it, it's kind of stupid. Like, wouldn't you think? I mean, one, why would you keep the name? I mean, the name sure it could be like a common last name, but still, right. I'm pretty sure anybody's the last name of Hitler got rid of it shortly after that time. Especially well, if you if you lived in Hitler's home, like if you just if your name is Hitler and you live in where Hitler lived to live, and you wanted to say find Hitler's son, you would might want to check his home first, but. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it is funny. it is uh yeah it's it's a really dumb and it, it's one of those things that it's not dumb if this is the only movie it's dumb when you start spinning out an entire franchise out of it yeah right. that's when that's you start seeing all these little holes it's not a plot hole in this movie because we have no reason to think that right that that Darth Vader is even related to Luke at right this point, right why would because you ever think probably yeah no, there's it, no reason to think that no it was not. It was definitely not um, part of his original plan. I don't think oh, Hitler, definitely not. I don't think Darth Vader became Luke's father until some draft of the second movie or something. Oh, like definitely it, not. It, I mean, they, yeah. I know Mark Hamill found out like when they got ready to film that scene. Right. Yeah. They're like when they got ready to film that scene, he told him, all right, here's what he's going to say. And he's like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And, 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 it, and it's fine. I mean, it, I think it's a great. You know, I do, I do think it's great that they're related. I think that father-son dynamic that you get in the third movie especially, I think is great. I'm right. not against it. But if this is just a single movie, as far as we know, Darth Vader killed Luke's father. That's their connection. This yeah. is the guy that enough. killed your dad. This is the guy that killed your dad, and now he's going to kill your surrogate grandfather. <laughs> you know? I mean, it works enough. Like, And I also never realized until, because everyone knows like the meme and from, from Revenge of the Sith, hello there, General right. Kenobi. I had never realized that the very first line Obi-Wan ever says when you meet him is, hello there. I'm just like, right. wow, yeah, you, you asshole. You sent that to the chat, and I sent the uh, the, the gif of Luke of uh, Lucas saying, it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> right. And, yeah, you know, there's nothing original. Like you, as there you is said, nothing original. Everything's a reference. Everything, everything. everything Everything's a reference. Uh, including blasters. Oh, so uncivilized. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just Come couldn't on. get over that. Like, I had... Because, I mean, I always hear that joke, and I always thought, okay, they're referencing, like, and I did not realize that's the first thing he says in this movie. Right. Yeah. And I also I also get a kick out again from their meme where they, when he goes, uh, do you know Ben Kenobi? Well, of course, do you know Obi-Wan Kenobi? Of course I do. He's me. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's such a stupid line. Because, oh, I think it's great. I think it's great. Uh, it's it's hilarious, think, though. Yeah. Obi-Wan is definitely, he may be, you know, my favorite character in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely. Because definitely. Alec Guinness sells it. He's... He doesn't phone it in like he can tell, you know, in, in later years, he got annoyed by having to do all this stuff. But in this movie, he does sell. He was nominated, in fact, for an Academy Award for this for this role. Yeah. Um, I mean, Alec Guinness is just an amazing actor. If you ever see anything else he's in. And he's just right. Yeah. He hated he in retrospect hated this movie. <laughs> he made a lot of money from it. I heard he, he negotiated a percentage of the profits and he oh, smart guy made yeah. millions upon millions because so. he's really the only person in this movie that was famous before. This yeah. Movie. He's the only known actor. He's the yeah. only known actor. in this. Cause movie. Mark Hamill might've had, had Corvette summer, I think before this, but and he anyone know what the hell I'm talking uh, about? He was on general <laughs> general hospital. I think he was oh. on some soap opera. Yeah. This. I think they all, well, the other, other one, Peter Cushing was a veteran actor. He was in a lot of yeah. horror movies, um, but, but he, but he wasn't like he a was huge star. A, yeah. He's yeah. a character actor. He was just like, he was, he was in a lot of stuff, but he was not like a, a headliner. 
Right. I mean, Hans uh, Harrison Ford was a carpenter that sold weed, yeah. apparently. Yeah, weed dealer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that. There was some meme or something came up on Facebook. Oh, or it's, it's facts. Uh, um, the one of the lead, the woman from uh, Mamas and the Papas. Uh, yeah. She said when she saw Star Wars, she was like, "Hey, that's my weed dealer." Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was in. He was in American Graffiti. Right. Um, and he had, he'd been in a couple movies. He was in a movie called The Conversation, which is really good, where he's one of the few movies where he plays a villain. But but very, very small role. He would not have been known to the audiences, you know, unless you had seen American Graffiti, maybe you might know him. But otherwise, he was not. And uh, Carrie Fisher was, Carrie Fisher had famous, yeah, very young. She had very famous parents. I think Eddie Fisher was a famous singer and Debbie Reynolds. Debbie uh, Reynolds was, was huge. Yeah. Was huge. Okay. So she had, she, her parents were famous, but she herself was not well known. I mean, that's, right. a, and it is nice that you said earlier, he didn't have a budget, which I think is best when Lucas doesn't have money to make a movie. Right. Oh, he does. You give him a budget without a budget. Just a little yeah. crazy. I mean, he had a little more of a budget with Empire and Empire is my favorite movie, but I think this is, I, I think Empire is my favorite, but this is maybe the best overall. I yeah. just, Empire, Empire just holds like a really special place for me. But Empire I feel like a, new, a, a new a new hope is my second favorite, and it's a close second. Empire is 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 great and maybe my favorite too, but it's hard to watch it without thinking I have to watch another one. Like it doesn't stand alone mm-hmm. as much. Like you oh, need that's, number one that's and number 100%. three. Yeah, exactly. So this one you just watch from start to finish. You're like that's complete. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's like we were talking about like with all the and again I always laugh with Obi Wan when he first gives him the lightsaber and he's like yeah, you know and I all I can think of is like how he gets that lightsaber. <laughs> Now I can't think of it any other way. I'm like, oh yeah, you killed children with that. That children really killed with that lightsaber. Like, that's, but that scene might be my it might be my second favorite non-battle scene because there's a, so much going on with the lightsaber in there, and you get the talked about the Clone Wars, so you get more backstory. And I will say backstory. the scene where he asks how did my father die, and even though it's not intentional, you can see you can see Alec and us kind of hesitate and like be like, how did my father die? And he kind of thinks about it, like, oh, I better think of a lie to say. Or maybe he's like, I knew this was coming. You better get my prepared lie going. Yeah. And it wasn't intentional, but only in retrospect do you think that actually works. Like the way that scene plays out, it, it works if you know that Darth Vader is Luke's father. So. Yeah. If, if you know that, I mean, as far as, I mean, Obi-Wan is concerned, he basically killed Anakin himself to an extent. Right. And dumbass didn't finish the job, but yes. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not cruel. I'm just going to let you like burn to a crisp to death. Oh, there's a scene that I forgot about earlier that I wanted to mention that this whole movie could have nothing would have happened when that skate pod goes out, when they capture the ship and there's no, there's no life signs. You think someone go, maybe we should just blow it up anyway. Yeah. You know, droids exist in this world. Maybe I did the perfect joke on that where he's like, what, what are we going to like run out of lasers? (laughs) (laughs) Are they they paying you by the laser or something? Are they paying you by the, are they paying us by the laser? Something like that. Yeah. And and it it is funny because they're not lasers actually, you know, blasters. Well, I get, again, I'm getting into my extended universe. (laughs) Oh boy. According to the books, it's firing a piece of metal that has been like superheated. So there is actually ammunition, which makes sense because those things move slightly faster than a professional tennis serve. They see only reason anyone is able to like deflect them because they're not moving at bullet speed. Like a phaser, so, you can't deflect a phaser unless you, you would, have yeah, your arm tuned to the right frequency. You know? Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, that, that's the point. Even with super Jedi speed, you wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to actually stop even a bullet, much less a laser. So, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm getting into some <laughs> deep right. nerdy now, <laughs> but it's just one of those things where I kept thinking like, why don't they just blow up the thing anyway? Yeah. 
just to be yeah. safe. Like, it's, I mean, and again, if they did that in all the movies, there'd be no Empire wouldn't have lost because he would have stopped this whole thing from happening. Well, there is also the issue of, I mean, I don't know, to try, maybe kind of find a way around this. Vader's mission there is to retrieve the stolen Death Star plans, and yeah. he needs to be sure that he's got them. And mm-hmm. if they just blow up the escape pod, then he can't be sure. He yeah. can't be sure that the plans, because they, you know, they know Princess Leia doesn't have them anymore. Because, you know, presumably they search her. And so it's like, all right, well, they're somewhere. And if they had blown up the pod, then they don't know. But I don't know, because that, that isn't really the reason. Invader wasn't there to tell them not to blow it up. So no, I don't, I don't think they even know what they're doing, what, they're, what their real plan is. They're just there. Yeah, yeah I, know, I just thought it funny that they don't yeah, do no, anything. you're right. There's really you're no explanation. You're right. <laughs> oh, and I also want to talk about, like, like we were saying earlier, when you first get the Maul's Eyes, I know that you, I personally really like all the special edition stuff that's added as you get them off. I think it adds character to the town. But again, that was, I think that's the first viewing that I really remember are the special editions. I don't remember the theatrical cuts that I would have seen on TV. I have no recollection of those. I just always remember all the, all the toys that I wanted when I see it. That's what I remember. My version growing up was not technically the theatrical version. My version that I watched over and over again were the, um, the face VHSs, the VHSs that, um, (laughs) Oh, I had those too. Yeah, those are the ones that I watched over and over and over again. And those are a remaster of the theatrical version. They don't make any changes except that they add um, episode four to the opening crawl. Yeah. And then they kind of upgraded the look of the Death Star blowing up at the end. And otherwise, they're exactly the same. They've just been remastered to, I don't know, 240p. But they're um, those are the ones I grew up watching. And yeah, I, I feel like the original is better, but I can't put myself in the mindset of having always had the special edition and then going back. So I don't know. I guess I can see where if you had that originally, but it's just like, it's such a good scene and it looks so real. And then the CG stuff, if there had been a couple of things in the background, have been fine. Add some like, you know, little hover droids floating around, add a do back, something like that. Yeah. But it's so much stuff. And you add this little comedy vignette with the droid dropping the log and bonking the other droid on the head. And it's just like, no, this isn't necessary. Like, calm down a little bit <laughs> yeah and they there's just the humor is dialed up just a little bit too much when there's a speeder like that almost hits the ronto which is the big beast you know and yeah. the beast kind of go and the, the job was going oh teeny and stuff it's like okay yeah. let's are, are we supposed to laugh at that i guess but it's just why are you why are we focusing on this like local color and then there's a seat where they're talking about the droids with the stormtroopers there's a ronto just kind of walks right in front of the screen yeah, and there's a Ronto that does. There's a like rust orange R5 unit that yeah. just like casually strolls in front of the camera and blocks your view right as yeah. Obi Wan is saying one of his iconic lines. Yeah, it's it's, it's so annoying. It's yeah. it's just annoying, <laughs> and it's 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 more annoying than there's the CGI. The CGI being bad is not the worst part. The worst part is they're bombarding your senses with all. That's this what it is. It's too stuff. much. It's yeah. not that the CGI because I don't mind bad old CGI. Like I. Was right. recently rewatching The Matrix, and I think that looks, that's from a similar time frame, and it looks beautiful in in right. spite of it being old. But Blade Two is another like, one. But you know, Matrix Three, the fight with all the Agent Smiths looks like garbage. Right. Yeah. And it's because it's too much. It's a bombardment on your senses. Also, mm-hmm. that movie is garbage, so that doesn't. No, or, or actually, no. I meant the second movie. The second. Uh, the third okay. one is actually interesting, but uh, anyway, I mean, also bad, <laughs> different way. But uh, but getting off of the CGI stuff, that scene is, 
I, I think that might be my second favorite non-battle scene in the movie is okay. that scene of them at the talking of uh, we see a way the force can be used that isn't choking people with your, you know, with telekinesis mm-hmm. or impersonating the call of a crate dragon. We're seeing a different a different thing you can do with the force. I think that was pretty right. cool. Like this subtle manipulation that he does. I, oh, I just love it. Yeah. I, so I also like. I, I also like when the scene when he's telling them these aren't the droids you're looking for. You think somebody else would hear? Why is the guy just repeating what the old man is saying in the car? But, well, I feel like it's kind of like there may be like more than one person affected by this. Oh, okay. I, think it's, I think everybody's affected by it. Um, all the stormtroopers are. Luke is like, what? What's going on? The here? fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's he he's like blown away by it because as far as Luke knows, I mean, he's probably never even heard of the Force other than like he it's this religion that this ancient people used to follow or whatever. Also, I feel like the religion isn't really even mentioned at all. I mean, it's mostly gotten rid of too. Yeah. I mean, they, the, the guy that Vader chokes out refers to uh, it as a, an old religion. Yeah. Cause they got rid of all the Jedi stuff and they got, you know, like you look in the other, again, not in this movie, but the, this content in general, like they really, you know, the empire has hidden all that information from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can think, oh, yeah, go, go on. No, no, you go ahead. Karen. Well, I think one thing that, you know, and there's so much you could do. I feel like with the sequels, I feel like there's very little you could do to actually fix them. Uh, I think that they're just kind of broken. I feel like the prequels are bad, but with some tweaking, they could be good. And I think one thing, this is, I call it my, the Demolition Man problem. So y'all see Demolition Man, right? <laughs> yes. And how, yeah, I, and how crazy different society is. And then you find out it's been like 15 years. Right. Yeah, it's been I mean, it's been like literally 15 years and people are singing like commercial jingles like it's pop music and are like so they don't even have sex in a normal way anymore. And they don't use toilet. It's like it's too much change in too little time. If Demolition Man was taking place 500 years in the future, it'd be a much better movie and it would make a whole lot more sense. Right. right? And similarly, if the original Star Wars trilogy is taking place. 50 or 60 years after the prequels yeah. then it would be believable that no one would have would know anything about the jedi yeah it's right? not long enough but it's been it's been 20 years it's been 18 maybe 20 years but that's also right. because they really okay. wanted the son to be you know luke to be the son of vader and all that where instead right. of just going with different thing. characters but that it wasn't was... the, oh oh well, you mean it, well the prequels yeah i guess that's what yeah. you're saying is it's not till the prequels that we find out that it's only been 20 years i guess right yeah, they don't say how long the phone wars were in this at all yeah, yeah. Mis- never the, mentioned one of the mistakes of the prequels i think was making the jedi like basically an arm of the government like it's not like yoda oh yeah theoretically these are pretty famous people and like they have conferences with you know the chancellor who's the president so like if one of the president's advisors is one of the member of his ancient religion, it kind of takes the mystery out of it. Right. It should have been more of like a, a mystical thing. Yeah. I mean, it would be like if like Catholicism was outlawed and all the Catholic churches were destroyed. And then 20 years later, people have never heard of the space Pope. You know, it's like, (laughs) right. It's like everyone would know who Yoda is. There would be like pictures of him on like t-shirts and stuff. Like, People would have little Yoda statues and stuff, and it wouldn't be this like mystical, crazy thing. <laughs> and, and, right. I mean, even in a super repressive government, they can't erase information that quickly, much, that quickly. Yeah. And so that that is one of the issues caused by that. But but anyway, I do think it's I think it's really neat seeing Obi Wan use his powers because that's another thing is yeah. we never see Obi Wan 
use his powers violently in the entire movie, unless you count the the duel with Vader. He's never violent. He's always like he's using uses powers to scare off the sand people by making them think that they hear a dragon. He uses powers to manipulate the the people here. We see him get violent with a lightsaber, but we oh, never God, see that... him do anything violent with the force. Oh, and I think right. that's important because you look at Yoda in Empire and that he's same thing. He's saying the the force is, you know, he for him it's about peace. And that's right. another problem with the prequels is having Yoda, you know, jump around like a like a spider monkey and stuff, which is whatever. But if you actually notice across all the movies, Jedi almost never use their powers offensively. They use their lightsabers offensively, but the force itself is almost like it's sacred. It's That's life. Uh, you'll occasionally, you know, you'll see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, you know, knock over some droids and stuff like that. But they're not like force choking people. They're not. I mean, that's a, even the video games, right? Force choking is always like a dark side power. Yeah. yeah. Force lightning is always a dark side power. And the, the light side stuff is always very defensive and peaceful. And I, I, I don't know. I like that. I think it's a good way to introduce that dichotomy. You've got the bad force user choking people off his mind. You have the good force user making people hear a noise down the hallway. And I agree. I, think that's, I think that's really that's good. good way to put it. Yeah. Well, another, yeah. another thing that I know that was changed with the special edition that I know I don't notice, but I know a lot of people complain about. In the special dish, in the original version, Han shoots first, right? When he has the confrontation with yes. Greedo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's, he shoots. Period. There's no one else who shoots. Yeah. Not. Greedo. Oh, okay. Oh. So because yeah. without that, and, and I watched it last night, I had in my head that you clearly see Greedo shoot first. They shoot simultaneously, and Greedo just misses. And so Han Solo goes from being a badass to just being lucky. Mm-hmm. Just, it's yeah. I think that's the problem with it. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, yeah, there's, there's many things wrong with that. <laughs> oh, the other thing I, I want to talk about, like a scene that I still love every time I see it, when they when they first go into the bar and you and you have Luke where the guy's like, he doesn't like you. Well, that's OK. I don't like you either. I I love this. Scene. I love that guy. I love that yeah. guy. That is my <sighs> only my I, I love Rogue One. I think it's one of my it's it's my fourth favorite Star Wars movie and it's a close fourth. <laughs> but that putting that guy in Rogue One was probably the thing I hated the most about Rogue One. It's my biggest complaint. It's like, no, we don't need that. He was a random guy. <laughs> randomly, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and acted like a jerk, and he got, you know, in trouble for it. But he's wanted in 12 systems with a death penalty. <laughs> right. And I just yeah. had the death sentence in 12 systems. And I yeah, love I, how they I just cut him. off his arm. Like, and Because it, it, it gives you, oh, that's no, your they first... Cut off, they, they don't, no. He, Not his arm, but the other guy. Baba. Yeah, they cut off Ponda Baba's arm. I, does he kill... The death, the twelve, you know. I'm not uh, sure. I I don't, I don't think, think he does right. I don't he think hits him. anyone. He does hit him. Oh, does he? So I don't he think, does... think there's any source that says he he died. I think it's more than like Panda Baba gets the worst of it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it, it. What you see, I think you do see him slash a lightsaber across. Yeah. So he presumably is dead. Yeah. And then Panda Baba just loses an arm, but we don't know. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Obi Wan would avoid killing him if he could. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but getting your arm, and I look how they he cuts off his arm, and everything goes back. The band stops playing for a second. Well, oh, can't go back to normal. That's <laughs> a great scene. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's very well look. Yeah, I mean this this whole scene in 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 the cantina is a you know it's very much a like Clint Eastwood seventies western. The guys walk in the bar, music. You know, there's somebody in the you know the, instead of a somebody playing the piano in that little jaunty tune, it's Figure and Dan and his band playing jizz. 
George Lucas right. decided that's what that should be called. Yeah, and, uh, yes. It's always find so funny. <laughs> and um, and then they, like you know, they stop whenever things get violent, and they start. That is exactly what happens in those westerns. That is like yeah. a, a trope. It's so yeah. good. And I will say, this is one thing that surprises me. Is in the special edition, they don't throw in a bunch of CGI bullshit in this scene. And I love the cast of just random yeah. people in the bar. Right, exactly. And yeah. it seems like Lucas with his bad instincts would have completely replaced all that stuff with a bunch of terrible CG. And he didn't. They kept it almost exactly the same. Yeah. They took, they took out the werewolf man, I believe. I think that's the uh-huh. only thing maybe they did. Yeah. Why? I probably cause Lucas didn't like it or something. He probably <laughs> thought it was too, um, too from the creature shop or something. I don't know. Yeah, but the, they, the devil yeah. man also does, uh, does look a little bit like universal monster. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Yeah. But most, cool. they, it's mostly intact. And I think because yeah. that scene was so, that was one scene that back in the seventies, everybody was wowed by it. I mean, I'm sure he wanted to start star Trek at the time. Right. And it's like, Oh, these aliens have, th- these aliens have arched eyebrows and pointy ears. These right. aliens, I mean, like, like, like even Klingons just looked like vaguely Middle Eastern. Right. Yeah. You know, and time. it was, yeah. And it was, a, it was a change. These were actual aliens that looked, you know, they looked alien. There's know? an authorian in the background at, at one point, isn't there? I there, don't know there is. Yeah, like that. That's crazy. I mean, that's like a complicated looking puppet. The authorian Mike was the, you know, he has a flat, looks like a flat head. Do you remember Boba Fett, the mayor, the mayor and Boba Fett? Yes, yes. The guy that, yes. The mayor and Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly. There's one of those in the background, the authorians. And I always thought they were like such a, they're so alien. Like that is a, that is a, that is an alien race where you have to have a puppet because there's no way to put a human being in that costume. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it great. That's what makes it great. That is, it's, it's really good. And the fact that it was a low, it was low budget and they could still make all the stuff look great and that people were wowed by it is a testament to the filmmaking, you know, the, the makeup and costume people who made this. Yeah. So I, I also want to point out, um, we are, uh, something I think is never brought attention to Obi-Wan speaks, uh, can, can speak with a Wookiee. Yeah. Because oh. Obi-Wan's over there having a conversation with Chewbacca. Oh, yeah, good right. point. In the background. I didn't and think about that. We can't hear what they're saying. But so that means he understands. I mean, he, he has to understand because he tells Luke that um, I found us a ship. Yeah. So he says Chewbacca. I, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He calls him Chewbacca. Yeah. Just <laughs> like uh, Leia, Leia, is, Leia and a couple of other people are constantly calling Han Solo hand. Yeah, exactly. It's. They also don't say Leia, they say Leah in this movie. That's yeah, true, too. they do. They haven't they worked do. out the pronunciations yet. Well, you know, yeah. different accents, different people would probably yeah. in real life. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, only the Empire only the Empire is like all British. Right, exactly. Uh, at least they weren't all German. <laughs> that would have been more than those what they were going for. I think so. A little too more than those. Oh, Admiral Mahdi. I think Admiral Mahdi might be the only American because he has an American accent. So oh, yeah, everyone else in Elvis is British, but only Marty is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's, he's the one who gets punked. So oh, right, exactly. The next scene I, I want to talk about is a scene that I like actually sure. is it's a, it's a deleted scene, but I, I don't know all the details, but I remember when the, when the special editions were first coming out and they had the scene where Jabba the Hutt is here, Han Solo got the job and he's like, I'm going to pay you back. And then they literally had to make him walk in the tail for some stupid reasons. The guy goes, Bleh! and I well, remember showing the scene i remember there being taco bell toys of this scene of something to do with it and i remember being so excited and then i get to see my favorite 
favorite character of the entire Star Wars <laughs> until Book of Boba Fett became a thing, Boba Fett. And I'm just like, oh, man, he's in my movie. And yeah, like, I mean, even though I know it's a dumb scene, it's completely unnecessary. I would have rather had the scene where Luke is talking to his friends, to be honest with you, for about joining yeah. the Academy. But this, I, I like it because I like Jabba the Hutt and I like Boba Fett. So, but, but why is Boba Fett there? Who the fuck knows? Should he be there? Absolutely not. But whatever. Uh, I mean, it's fine because... When we do eventually meet Boba Fett, all we know is that he's a bounty hunter who works for Jabba the Hutt. I'm fine with Boba Fett being there. Honestly, this scene, believe it or not, doesn't bother me. I just don't think it's necessary. It's not. It's not necessary. It's, I, I did. Yeah. And, and the background is they did film this scene originally when they made the original movie. But at that point, Jabba the Hutt was just a dude. Because <laughs> right. the word the oh. Hutt didn't mean some alien race. It meant crime boss. And there's a like point Jabba when he... The Dawn. This is what it was, because I was trying to think of what, what scene or what movie this was. I couldn't remember if it was Star Wars or not last night that I watched, was when he gets in the Money and Falcon, he's like, you're a wonderful human being, Job. I'm like, what the fuck? This ain't no human being. Yeah. I mean, as it as it's written, as it stands in the movie, it's kind of funny, because he's like, oh, he's not a human. But, you know, it's probably originally, you know, in the original, as it as originally filmed, it was intended to be straightforward, you know. Yeah. Kind of funny still, but. And they had to, when they, the, the only part of it I think that really doesn't work is what you were talking about with him stepping on the tail. In the original scene, he's walking circles around Jabba the Hutt. But of course, right. Jabba, you wouldn't be able to walk circles around Jabba the Hutt. So they very clumsily, like, just rotoscope, Photoshop. It, it was like a, it's like oh, it's a flash, clumsy. It's like flash animation. When you, him, yeah. like going over his. When you watch it, you can see his model jump up, but it doesn't right. fit right. Like, no, yeah, it's not. Shoulder, if you actually were stepping over or on that tail, your shoulders and stuff would also move. And it right. doesn't. It's, it, it does not look good. It was, a, it was just a bad decision. And, and I get why he did it because toys. I think, well, toys, but I, <laughs> yeah, that's probably all it is. I, mean, I know. I I'm not going to, I'm going to die in that. Give, get some benefit of the doubt and be like, he really liked this scene and hadn't wanted to cut it in the first place, but he had been forced to cut it because of theatrical runtime issues. And so it's like, well, now I can do whatever I want. I'm going to put, I always like that scene. I'm going to put it back in, except that right. scene doesn't make any sense now that we've established that huts are lizard people. So I've got to figure something else out. I mean, plus when you think about the fact that he had, he made so much money in merchandising rights. Oh yeah. And I mean, especially at this point, like when he's remaking these movies, I mean, he knew they were going to sell toys and they're going to sell merchandise. So every little scene that you put, especially new scenes, that's new toys that had never been in the market. And I'm, and as I know from experience, if somebody has like, yes, they're making money off a product, but they're making extra money off a certain part of that product, they're going to make decisions that benefit them versus the art of what they're doing or what their job is. And that's what I feel I feel like happens in, in these, especially in the prequels and with these movies, too. That's what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's really all it is. I, I just I kind of want to believe that he had some some artistic, uh, uh, I don't know, integrity. I think I he probably think so. did when he made the movie originally, when he made yes. the original movie. <laughs> I think he had a lot of artistic integrity. Right. And he became a billionaire. But not yeah. when he goes back into the special edition, then he has the prequels coming. I would say not at that point. He's he's all focused on the money at that point. Yeah. I mean, hell, that's what Phantom Menace is about. They're all about I taxation. Mean, he was, like he was going through a divorce at the time also. Might have cost him a lot of money. Yeah. He was a businessman. He became a businessman and very successful businessman, but Nonetheless, not an artist, any, not an independent filmmaker anymore. No, I mean, that really does affect you. 
when he I does try to make a film, I mean, this podcast don't red, make money, but we get red tails, you know. Yeah, you didn't yeah. own that though. Right. Well, that's my point. It's like, but it's from the mind of George Lucas. So right, right. But, yeah, I, I, but anyway, I don't actually mind this scene at all. It doesn't look good. I don't think it takes away from the movie. I just don't think it's necessary. I think the way it was before was better. Right. Um, especially as because over the trilogy, Han Solo, you know, we get the mention of Jabba here. Han Solo's running from Jabba, running from the step with Jabba. Empire, we know that Jabba is still like he's worried about Jabba. At the beginning, he's talking about that he's got to leave Hoth and go pay Jabba back now that he's got some money. And then in Jedi, we actually finally meet Jabba, and it's just like it's so well done and so I don't know, evocative. And so showing Jabba at the beginning takes away that looming dread that covers the the trilogy yeah it's like here's something here's a big scene in this movie that doesn't pay off for three to two more movies because there's no ending to the java story in this so the only reason to put it in would be if you knew Jabba was going to show up in the third movie like right. there's there's no reason for it to go in there unless you already know that job is coming later so yeah i i agree with you it's it's fine but it's unnecessary and it's honestly slows down everything mm-hmm it's just a couple more minutes of talking as opposed to action. So, yeah. yeah. And also, it doesn't make any sense that he would. I mean, it comes after he's killed Greedo, right? Right. Like, why would you send Greedo if you're literally in the next building? <laughs> well, and not just that. Yeah. So you kill the mob boss's dude that was sent to fetch you. And they're yeah. like, all right, now I'm going to go ch- uh, chill with the mob boss. I'm going to go meet him anyway. I'm going to go talk to right. him. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, presumably they're at the Millennium Falcon, so I guess Jabba came to him. But also, Jabba doesn't come to you. You come to Jabba. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, the mob boss doesn't come to visit you. You get grabbed and taken yeah. to see And if you and we, kill the guy that comes to grab you, you skip town. Right. We also know that, you know, that Jabba's palace is not next to Moss Eisley. It's next to Moss Espa, right? I think it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that, that is also Again, it was not in this movie or anything, but, I mean, as still, we just want Book of Boba Fett, so. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> does not make any sense. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> that, that is the thing. The more we add to Star Wars, the less the originals make sense. It's yeah. why they're best viewed as if the other movies and TV mm-hmm. stuff doesn't exist, I think. Yeah. Which is very much how I look at this movie. So we, I guess we, we, we get uh, introduced to the Millennium Falcon, and mm-hmm. this was like the coolest ship that had ever been in anything ever. That's very true. I disagree, right? but yes. What what better ship had we gotten by, by 1977? Enterprise. I, I guess, but the Enterprise is so, like, clean and sterile. I love the Enterprise. And, yeah, I mean, I, I am a big Star Trek fan, but I don't know. Like, the Millennium Falcon know just feels, Enterprise it feels real. The Millennium Falcon feels like a real thing. I also like X-Wings better than the Falcon. Well, okay, yes, right. yes but we haven't that. seen an X-Wing up to this point. No, I just don't like, I don't like the Falcon in general. I don't have a a soft spot for that ship. Even oh, in the Star okay. Wars, my soft spot is the X-Wing is what I really like. That's my ship in Star Wars, I, even in this so, movie. Yeah, on the shelf behind me, I have the, I have an X-Wing, a, um, I have two Millennium Falcons, two, ATA, uh, two AT-ATs, <laughs> a Y-Wing, <laughs> and some random ship from one of the cartoons, and, oh, and a Death Star, all behind me on the shelves, either Legos or just like the play sets. So yeah, I've got two Millennium Falcons. I've got the Kenner Millennium Falcon from the the re-release Power of the Force series from 1997, and then I've got the Lego Force Awakens one behind me. So yeah, I'm a I'm a big Millennium Falcon fan. I love that stuff. I I built like I made my own when I was a kid. I made like these just poster board models 
of the sh- of ships, and I specifically made an X-wing, a Tie Fighter, and Millennium Falcon were the ones <laughs> I made. Like I, I just love the Millennium Falcon's design. It looks like a hunk of junk, but then he's, you know it is that muscle car thing of American Graffiti where he's got this old clunker that he's like souped up. He's put like a big engine in, and so it can go super fast. And it's also got all the smuggler stuff. It's got like the the little like smuggler bins where he can hide cargo from inspectors. Right. It's it's really cool, and it has those turrets. It has the turrets, like the anti-aircraft gun turrets mm-hmm. on it. You know, it's so cool. It's so cool when I was a kid. You got the double <laughs> double guns, the quad guns, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and my my. So what I thought was really neat is um, my dad was a my dad was a Korean War veteran, okay. and he was a he was a tail gunner on a B twenty nine. And so the B-29 has those turrets like that. And the tail gun one, um, the, the turret you're in doesn't move, but the guns do. Oh, and so, okay. it, but it, so it's like a, so it was like a big, so you're like on a cockpit on the tail of the plane, basically. And then you've got these twin 50 caliber machine guns that are on like a moving gantry thing that you move. And so it's like, and I, my dad had taken me to an air show and he had taken me not on a B-29, but he'd show me like we had, we had walked all around and on a B B-17 which is what he trained on as and the B17 has those bubble turrets just like the Millennium Falcon. That's cool. That's and, really and cool. Again, yeah. They don't really they don't really move the guns or what move cuz moving the whole thing would be like really complicated the way they move there but still it's like really neat to like as a kid I saw I, we went to that air show when I was 7 and then I got into Star Wars more when I was like 10 11 12 and seeing that, I'm like, oh, that's just like the B-17. And I have a B-17. <laughs> Actually, on the shelf to my right, I have a model of a B-17. Wow. So, it's yeah, all, all coming it. together. It is all coming <laughs> together. Like, I never really, yeah, I thought about that. But, yeah, that was, like, foundational for me is, like, my dad showing me this and be like, see this right here? This is the thing I trained on. This is the plane. And it's got those guns. And you see Star Wars, and it's like they're moving around on them and stuff. And, and of course, the Star Wars ones, he was basing it on the anti-aircraft turrets on battleships, on 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 naval ships in World War II. Okay. Because he's the, that's something we haven't really talked about a lot, but uh, I mentioned it earlier with the, the Western thing is that Lucas is a film nerd and he is, I don't think it's copying. I think it's homage. He is making lots of homages to classic films. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's so many of them. I mean, there's the hidden fortress is one. Right. With, with, with mainly C3P and R2D2 and the princess are lifted from that. There's also, I, there, I'm sure there are many more. There's also the, the Searchers as well, uh, the famous oh, Western yeah. John Wayne with the burning homestead. I don't know if you've seen that, Mike, yeah. but no idea you're talking about. It's the Searchers. Just, the Searchers is like, yeah. may, I don't. It might be John Wayne's best movie. It's it is sure, yeah. It is like definitely his darkest western. Um, yeah. Even though he doesn't die in it, he dies. He dies in the Cowboys and the Shootist. So it's the only two movies he dies in. But There's, the Searchers is really dark and really well made movie. There's a scene in the Searchers where. Um, uh, John Wayne comes back to to see a homestead burning, and it, and it was the Apache Indian attack, and somebody's been kidnapped, and a lot of people have been killed, and he just stares at the burning homestead, and it's exactly like Luke coming back and seeing his aunt and uncle dead and everything burned down. Hey, we didn't talk and, about that. Well, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we skipped over yeah. that. Yeah, there's so That's much fine. to talk about, but but yeah, but, it's, but where it's, they're it's, on the where yeah. they're on the Millennium Falcon and they're fi- firing at the Tie Fighters, that was a reference to a specific World War II movie. Oh. I don't call which one, but it, it's it might be Torah, Torah, Torah. I'm not sure, but it is. There's like a specific World War II movie. Um, I don't think it's Torah, Torah, Torah because I've seen. Uh, I saw a thing 
I, uh, where they're comparing it, and it was a black and white film, the Tor Tor Tor. The, so. the, the trench run uh, was taken from the Dam Busters, which is a movie about blowing up a German dam. And so they have to run, they have to fly planes to a canyon, and they have to hit the dam right in the right spot nice. to blow up the dam. Yeah. And there is a compilation on YouTube where a lot of the dialogue and scenes are lifted from that movie. That's and it's cool. not, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say it's a, a theft. It's more of a homage, but it's, yeah, if you watch exactly. it too, it's very you, much an homage. Yeah. You would say he, he was definitely watching this movie as he was editing, as they were editing, you know, the trench run because it's just exact dialogue. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of those. I was thinking the, the, where they're on the millennium Falcon with the anti air, with the tie fighter turret, the turrets shooting the tie fighters. That's like a specific, World War II yeah. where they're on the anti-aircraft guns, but there's a lot of those homages and there's some where you're not, sh- I'm not sure like the, yeah, the dam busters and hidden fortress and the searchers. Those are explicit. I was showing you guys last night, like uh, a samurai movie. I really like um, called a uh, uh, Hari, Hari Kari. And oh, okay. Yeah. The duel at the end of that movie in being very similar to the duel that comes up in this movie in some ways, which it may not have been that movie. Cause there's a lot of movies like that, but that was a movie that you know had been out for 15 years and right. we know that lucas is a film of those like japanese samurai movies he's a film of like these world war ii movies yeah very true but also i feel like movies at this time wouldn't have especially older stuff like this wouldn't have been something that you could easily find no oh yeah like, people no. wouldn't know it's not like today where you can google no, it or look audience, it up on youtube general audience would yeah. have had no idea it was something a lot of this you see a lot of stuff from lucas and spielberg where they're referencing film nerd stuff. I mean, Tarantino is the same way, right? Yeah. Like, we know when we watch a Tarantino film that every single scene is an homage to some obscure kung fu movie that you can only buy at a black market in Thailand. But, <laughs> you know, he's not making those. He's doing that for his fellow film nerds to be like, look, look, this is right. just like. It's just like that thing from you know from Shogun Assassin, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's that kind of thing, and it's the same. It's the same thing. I think Lucas was kind of showing off to his his classmates, his, his yeah, best friends. I'm sure. Yeah. The other the other thing I want to talk about, like when you first the whole Alderaan thing, like I mean that's what gets them in trouble, and that the fact that they're really just kind of they don't have much of a mission. They're just kind of going along with the flow of what's happening in their adventure. Like when yeah. they get to Alderaan and there's nothing there, they're like, oh, there's an asteroid field here and there shouldn't be. And I still love the line when he sees the Death Star. Oh, that, that TIE fighter's going to that moon. That's no moon. It's a great line. Still love it. That's no moon. It's a space station. <laughs> what? It's a space station that big? <laughs> and also, yeah. I do have a question. How the hell did that space station get from where it blows up Alderaan all the way to where it's going to blow up the moon on Yavin, on Yavin 4? Hyperdrive. But could something that big have a hyperdrive? It's I the mean, biggest hyperdrive. There's no reason. I mean, we don't know what how hyperdrives work, but there's no reason to think it wouldn't. They I mean, they made yeah, a good, yeah. Go ahead. I, they made a good choice in uh, in Rogue One not to show it in hyperspace because it would look very silly to have the Death Star going through hyperspace. But you know that it happens. I think they might show it coming out of hyperspace or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And, and the, the thing is, we're never really explained what hyperspace is or how it works. We just know right. that you press this thing. And everything stretches, and you right. and then you're in some sort of like tunnel of like stars. And uh, I think the the extended universe books did a good job of explaining it. And of course, again, it's not canon, but they explain <laughs> it as like essentially that you're creating like your own like wormhole, basically. Okay. And so in that sense, anything it doesn't the size doesn't really matter. Okay, that makes sense. I was just just 
nitpicking, but I was curious. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, was, if you want to nitpick, we could talk about Empire, where the hyperdrive isn't working, and yet they're somehow able to get from Hoth to Bespin in a matter of what charitably might have been a few months, uh, which means that Hoth and Bespin are roughly the same distance as Earth and Mars from each other. <laughs> right? That's the issue, is that the Bespin says that the, the rebels decided to make their secret base right next to an existing like Imperial-controlled mining colony, though they didn't know it was Imperial. We'll get there hopefully next month. <laughs> yeah, but okay. still, yeah, that's where you can start to nitpick. But here, okay. I don't, yeah, it's fine that the Death Star can... can I, I also like the whole idea how they just get, like, you know, they, they end up getting too close to the Death Star, and then they end up getting yeah. caught in the tractor beam, they get sucked into the ship, and their whole idea, okay, let's we're going to hide in the floorboards. I still yeah. love the scene. Yeah, they're the the smuggler panels I was talking about, right? He's, he's which it makes sense. Like he's a smuggler, he would have little hidden cargo areas that you can't. Yeah. you know, I guess scan, they have like whatever because they bring on yeah. like some scanning equipment. You see them bring on scanning. That's equipment. a great scene when they go up there and you hear you hear like some and the guys like, "Hey, we need some help up here." Yeah, <laughs> and they beat the yeah. shit out of them and take. And then like, does the stormtrooper helmet like roll down the gangplank? Yeah, Am I remembering so. quickly? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I don't think that happens exactly. No, something happened. Well, you hear the blasters, but it's yeah. just funny. It's yeah, it is great. It was a great plan having them dress up. No, what you're talking about happens in the Lego games, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds like a Lego thing. I mean, I was thinking like, oh, it makes sense, but so that I mean, that's a good scene at all. God, I when they go to the office up in the little control office and they just right. kind of like bust in. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Still to me, I love it. It is. It is great, and the Chewy Chewy's there, and they just shoot all these Imperial guys. Yeah, it's not as good as the the detention scene when they oh, the when they, center. Oh God, when they bring <laughs> him with the it. handcuffs, and they're like, yeah. "Oh God, he's free!" They throw him a gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. like well, look out, look out, he's loose. It's a great plan, but then they're like, "What's going on down there?" It's like, "Oh, we just had a slight weapons malfunction, but we're yeah. good. We're, we're all good here." How are you? Always. <laughs> Always cracks me up. Always cracks me up. No matter. I know it's coming, but I love it. It's so funny, and then and then and then he shoots the thing, and because they're like, "We're coming right now." And, oh, we're gonna have company now. Have <laughs> boring conversation. He, anyway. he goes boring conversation anyway. I mean, and people we, we're gonna have company. <laughs> people complain about some of the humor in, in the later movies, but it's always been there. Like it's 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 a little corny joke, but it kind of works. But so. yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun, yeah. and it's not just like slapstick. I mean, it's not you know the cartoon rabbit stepping in the poop. Right. It's, exactly. It's funny to adults as well. Mm-hmm. And I like just Princess Leia. We haven't talked about her being in this at all. She is a badass mm-hmm. for the entire film. Even when she's captive, she is a badass at every single step of the way. Yeah. From, from when she's shooting stormtroopers on the Tana five to, you know, and basically just like all but spitting invaders face. Yeah. Know, completely. Just not oblivious to the danger she's in, but just unconcerned. Yeah. Even brave. save Alderaan when she gives him, she gives him a fake address, even or a fake planet to go to. I love it. Even when I she knows it. she's going to die, like she knows they're going to kill her. She's like, fuck you. She, <laughs> she, tells tells him, she tells him Dantooine instead of Yavin. I love it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there's nothing there. And they look there like it's just everything that she does is so good. And like that scene where she's in the cell. And he and she's he's like we're gonna make you talk. And a little tor- well, I always call him torture droid comes in, I'm, and that yeah. still makes me go oh like oh just, the torture yeah. droid looks painful. Yes, yeah. I'm assuming it's supposed to be true serum is what's in the vial. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, and so presumably that's how they. Yeah, 
Well, they don't get the correct information anyway, so... But they still don't. Yeah, how did they figure out their own Yavin? Did they follow them? They They put a track on them. They let them escape. Because, I mean, everything's quiet. Obi-Wan is going to go turn off the tractor beam, but when they go to the prison and they make all the noise, that's when they're alerted to their presence. That's. I I was just trying to think about the... There they said her resistance to the mind probe was something like that. I didn't catch that. Uh, Vader says it to Tarkin, I, I believe. Like, okay. this is the mind probe proved effective or something, or something like that. Okay. Yeah, so, it, yeah that's what I was thinking. I don't remember the tracker thing. It, there's yeah. a line that is in the, that there's a, they put a tracker on the Falcon, and then when yeah. they get to Yavin, she even says on the way there, this was too easy. They let us escape. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Okay. But I, I like, yeah, when she's in the cell and Luke comes in and she's like, you're a little short for a stormtrooper, aren't you? <laughs> I love it. She's yeah. like, She's in prison. Presumably, she's going to be executed. She probably assumes that they're going to execute her. Right. Her family and her entire society that she grew up in has been destroyed, and she's still just, like, talking shit. Right. She's, she's, she's awesome. She's, she's she so cool. And then she, like, takes control of the rescue. She's like, right. this is some rescue, and she, like, <laughs> takes over. You could you get out you, of there. You would think that if she if she could get out of that cell, she'd be doing this already. Like, if only the cell was just a little less secure, she would have a blaster and like yeah, she would already be fighting for it. If if, she, right. if the cell wasn't, if if they had let up a little bit, and she, I mean, right. she straight up she takes a blaster and she kills <laughs> stormtroopers, right. just like bam, bam, just like center mass, and then rescues the <laughs> rescues everyone. Yeah, she rescues them. I mean, she puts them in the in the trash compactor, yeah. which I still I couldn't remember the name of that creature, but I know both of you will know it. Oh, I forgot. I mean, it was Dianoga. I knew one of you would know it for sure. It was, it was made up for the playset. If you remember Dark Forces, there were a lot of Diagnogas mm-hmm. in that game. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And I, I, that's still such a good little, like, horror scene in a sense where they end up in this trash compactor and they're having to, you know, try yeah. to figure out what to do. And they, and then you have C3Wheel being a fucking dumbass. I forgot. He's like, oh, I forgot to turn on the comm link. <laughs> and I'm like, you asshole. <laughs> Yeah, and he's still talking. He's like, we were wondering. That's Spoopio, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> turn off all the trash. Turn off all the trash. Oh, God. Yeah. I was too slow, R2. They're screaming. They're screaming. <laughs> yes. Shut off all the trash compactors on the detection level. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that line. Where they're cheering, and he's like, oh, they're dead. <laughs> yeah. that Those cheers always it always got me when people's like, oh, no, they're dying. How horrible. Yeah. I was always, always <laughs> oh, I love, I love it. And, the, and by the way, C-3PO, he is C-3PO and R2-D2. They make the perfect like little um, like comedy relief in this movie. Again, right. without being stupid, right? We, without, you know. Yes, they are. Bullshit. They have a point. So compared to Jar Jar, doesn't really have a point. But they have a point. Like they're serious at times and you empathize with them. And they, they are funny. So they, they fit all the criteria. They move the plot forward, even with yeah. the humor. And it's very much, I, I, I always, I've, I've wondered before, like, is this Jay and Silent Bob? Is, is this like a reference? Of I wouldn't surprise the, me. The annoying tall one and the stoic, quiet, shorter one. I don't know. It might, it might be, I might be off, but I love, I do like that a lot. I, I always, I didn't know as a, as a kid, I didn't know about the hidden fortress till much later. I remember in high school reading Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And yeah. they're like, oh, I wonder if that's where he got C-3PO and R2-D2 from, is from Hamlet, from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, hmm. though they're not, they're only in, you know, one scene. Well, they're only, they only speak in one scene, and then they, they die, presumably. Yeah. But still, I don't know. But no, you're you're right. Hidden Fortress has those two, like, peasant characters, like, bumbling peasant guys. I don't want to watch this now and review it for some reason. 
Hidden Fortress. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah I, haven't, I haven't actually seen it. Peter's seen it, right? I saw it a long time ago. I think you, when, when you're younger, you know, you don't appreciate Japanese cinema or maybe adult <laughs> movies. It's, it's, it's not quite Star Wars, and it's a little bit, it's much slower in yeah. pace than Star Wars. But if you watch it, you would pick up on some elements of Star Wars. Okay. So, yeah, from yeah. what I've read, he based his original draft off of it and then took yeah. out a lot of the stuff for the movie, and then he put that stuff back into Phantom Menace. And so some of the stuff in Phantom Menace of them like going back to the princess's planet part, I think some of that is from it. Okay. But okay. I'm, not, I'm, not sure. my, I'm not sure, though. I'll have to add it to my list of just things I want to someday get to. I had yeah. <laughs> one more note about the droids. I mentioned at one point they do they do call them ro- uh, Luke calls them robots, which I think is the only time they call them robots. Yeah, and I think it's just probably, interesting. You know, if you think about it, that's probably like really offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Robots are mindless, are mindless automatons, and droids appear to have personalities and feelings. Well, hey, the biggest serial killer in the Star Wars series is a droid in Rebels. He has the highest kill rate of anybody. I forget what it is, but it's a meme that goes on. I forget his name, but it's that droid, Chopper. He has the highest kill rate, people have said, (laughs) because they put together everything. They're like, yeah, he's killed everybody. Wow. You need oh, to watch the little, the little, like, R, the little like R five unit. That's mm-hmm. on the, yeah, watch Rebels. Damn it, <laughs> good. I'm I'm watching the Bad Batch now with my son, and um, I heard it wasn't good, and I like it. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't it's very much it. for little kids, but as a little kid, Star Wars thing goes, it's really quite good. Okay, it's, it's Not dark. Bad, just... it, well, you know what? So here's um, we've only watched like the first like maybe ten episodes, but so far it really feels like somebody at Lucasfilm read the Republic Commando novels, which are my favorite Star Wars mm-hmm. thing that isn't the original trilogy. And we're like, well, we can't make this because we don't want to have to pay Karen Travis. But what if we made something kind of like it? <laughs> it really extremely, extremely is riffing on. I mean, it's there's no way they didn't read Republic Commando. It's like clearly the plot of Republic Commando. Only you replace uh, what's her, the, the little New Zealand girl with a, a young Jedi instead. And it's it's Republic Commando. Okay, it's interesting. I you have my those are good. I don't read those books, are good books. We should, should, <laughs> I need you to. should read. You should read all four Republic Commando books and then have me on for a podcast about it. <laughs> all right, or we could just play the video game. I did that for episode twenty-one. You did you did? But I do want to recover it at some point because I want to replay it now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, fun. sorry. So but, yeah, um, I want to yeah, talk about the Death Star. Like the whole scene of them escaping as they get out of there and. You know, they're running around like there's a scene where Han chases after a bunch of guys yeah. and he's running down the hall and then they <laughs> go into a huge squad. And he starts running the other way. He Classic. shoots one first. He shoots one and then runs. It's great. It's it like, he's great. like, ah! The whole scene is awesome. Leia calling oh. Chewbacca walking carpet. Great. <laughs> and then the, the, the scene where there. they're trying to escape over the bridge and, and she's like, use the bridge control. He's like, I think I shot it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then he uses that grappling hook thing instead. for the one time ever. Right. One time. Um, there's a really good uh, episode of Mythbusters in their like final season where they just did Star Wars <laughs> and they tried to do that scene. Oh and yeah. They could not do it. It was like they said it was so incredibly painful trying to swing across on that like on a belt mounted like grappling hook thing like that. Like yeah, it was yeah. incredibly it's- painful. It works in a in a serial adventure, but it's not physically. It's not going to be physically yeah. really feasible. But it's. it's, uh, it's I, I do like though. that part. I also am like, wait, why? Why has the Death Star got all these just like gigantic holes? Right. It's. It, I mean, the, the, what is the what is 
What is the bit? OSHA would be terrified. Is that? The... Yeah, it's just like all of these, just like it's like you know, no railing, the, no safety railing. The the tractor beam controls are on a, a narrow shaft with no railing, right above a bottomless pit that presumably leads to the reactor. So it's like, what if you need to reset the controls? Like, yeah. do, you have, do you have a droid do that, or you have to go on this perilous walkway? It makes no sense. Probably yeah. a droid. Why does the bridge retract in the first place? Is this right? Like, security. <laughs> Okay. It yeah, just just for this scenario, I guess it's true. It what it makes me think of is um, in Galaxy Quest. Oh yeah. When, when they get to the room, that's just like the smashing pistons and stuff. I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's very true. Also, I think stormtroopers don't matter to them either. So no, no, I take that, it. That is, that is they don't care. True. Well, are the stormtroopers supposed to be clones in this originally? No. no. It's okay. Yeah, they never say, but they never really say about this era of stormtroopers. I don't think. The only la- mention of clones is we served in the Clone Wars together. Okay. That's it. There's never I any think, mention of clones. Yeah, I think in the old canon, these were it was recruits. Like, for a couple, in the old canon up to the new EU, it was always like, you got recruited, and if you could basically point a gun and shoot it, you could be a stormtrooper. Yeah. The expanded yeah. universe set up that these are recruits, and then, of course, that's yeah. not canon anymore, but the official canon now is also that they're recruits. That's what the Bad Batch is about. They're just, yeah, was it, like, yeah. is it orphan children or something, or, like, something like that? Uh, it was just, it's all sorts of stuff. Like, the, okay. in, the ba- in the Bad Batch, which is canon, they basically, the whole deal that's going on is they are, there's these, like, faction within the um, military, a uh, Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin, wants to replace the clone army with a recruit army because it'll be cheaper. way cheaper and then in in the expanded universe it was you know they're just recruits and conscripts also because there's like a draft yeah uh, they mentioned a draft in the deleted scene of this movie right yeah they they do they do and so there's a draft and then with the sequels we get finn and definitely not lando's daughter um, (laughs) who are talking about being orphans and basically being like snatched up and that's 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 talked about in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Okay. As much as I am not a fan of Rise of Skywalker, that is, I think that is completely makes sense. It completely makes sense. I think about like, have you, have y'all seen Jojo Rabbit? No. Yeah. I have. Oh, the movie is so good. And the, how they show the, the Hitler youth in that and everything. I feel like that's what this would be like is you would have these like paramilitary recruiting things where you're like conditioning children at a young age to serve the empire blindly and be very militaristic because that's what actually happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, you also look at like with solo kind of explains a little bit with that, where mm-hmm. like Han is going to just sign up to join the media. Yeah, that's you know, true. Yeah. Recruit. That's true. Right. Yeah. He has yeah, nothing. Right. Well, I mean, all that makes sense. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't, I mean, these are the people that are going to feed you. These are the people that are going to give you a place, you know? So yeah, you're going to join the military. And, and just one last thing, the stormtroopers in this, they have different voice actors, like they different people talking. So it's not, it's not like in the, okay. the prequels where every single clone, like I'm watching the Bad Batch and it's, it, and it's just this one person voicing every single clone. And I'm like, I guess that makes sense. I mean, your vocal cords would be the same. So, okay, sure. Though they have clearly different voices. That's uh, whatever. All right. Anyway. I think, I think some of them were dubbed by Harry Shearer, if I'm not mistaken, who did, you know, from the Simpsons, Mr. Burns and yeah. all that. And well, Harry Shearer did some of the voices for this because they, a lot of them were spoken British accents, and they were like, we can't have, nobody understands what these British people are saying. Yeah, that, that is really cool. I, lo- I do like this, the conversation the, um, the two stormtroopers are having when Obi-Wan has to oh, say yeah. 
like, oh, you've seen the new uh, such and such? Yeah. No, it's cool. <laughs> they're just like, it's exactly what you would expect. They would be yeah. like, you know, two soldiers shooting the shit. They're, they're on guard duty, on this pointless guard duty. Oh, we're supposed to right. stand here and guard this random bridge over a bottomless pit? All right. Anyway, yeah, have you seen yeah, the they, new they such and like, such? It's pretty cool. Yeah, they say like, oh, is it, is it another drill or something? Something somebody says that. Oh, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's good. And like another thing I, I want to mention, like the scene where you see where Obi-Wan gets killed, like, you know, where he fights Vader. I mean, I know you're saying that's a reference to an old uh, samurai film we talked about before this recording. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if yes. it is or not. It definitely looks like it's referencing something. Because sure the way they kind of test each other out. Right. And it's it's very much a, they like if if you ever watch like um, like Kendo Jitsu. Uh, the Japanese, you know, samurai, the main samurai sword art, right? The katana art, where they'll, they'll, they, they do kind of stalk very slowly, and then it's pop, 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 and then back, and pop, 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 back, you know, and that's what they do. And this is they very like slowly advance on each other, and then cross swords one or two times, and back up, and that's Which makes sense. I mean, a duel wouldn't be just attacking. Con- I mean, it's about skill because it only takes one hit with a sword or a lightsaber, and you're done. Right? Yeah. That yeah, limb yeah. is coming off, or that your chest is being opened up. Like you're not going to be okay. So, yeah, it, that is that is that is interesting. I'll say, um, I, I I I've been practicing martial arts for a few years, and we finally, because of COVID, we hadn't been sparring, and so we finally started sparring recently. And yeah, you if you go all out, you you get you get hit. <laughs> it hurts. Mm-hmm. And just like imagining of a sword, I would be extremely careful. I would not be right, right. Uh, attempting to hit this person right here because i would be afraid i'm gonna die yeah um and i i'm like i'm currently bruised and kind of hurting from just like five nights ago so i'm like yeah maybe yeah i get it also there's a there's a scene in this movie way earlier that makes me laugh now every time because the the irony of it where when when you find the sand crawler and it's all blown up he's like these shots are too accurate for sand people oh yeah right he's only the only the imperial stormtroopers are this accurate i'm like wow that line does not age well the rest of the series well, it's yeah. funny because they it, it was made it became a joke. It became a meme. But I mean, they're just missing the way people miss in movies because in movies if they were actually accurate then the movie would be over too soon, you know? <laughs> Right. It's, yeah. But but they just made this whole thing. It was like, "Oh, they they're not accurate." And they do that in the Bad Batch. They show the recruits shooting and they're just like really terrible at it and the clones are like, "Really? This is what we're <laughs> this is what you're replacing us with?" <laughs> It's just one of those funny things that I, I, I maybe when I you know, went back and watched this movie and then like them ex- like okay so you have the desk you have the duel and like having all we want lets himself get killed and have Luke see that like that's such a powerful moment too where he's like right. once you kill me I'll be more powerful and I, I laugh this time when after Vader kills him even though they're trying to escape into the Falcon later doesn't go to the door first first he goes to the pile of clothes and kicks pokes the clothes folks have his toes like huh. What? Yeah. And then he starts to walk to the I door. Love it. I love it. And I, I, I actually want to talk about that whole thing with Vader. When they first arrive, Vader's like, hmm. Like you could tell. He knows Obi-Wan's there. He can sense him. Yeah, but he right. can't tell exactly where he's at. So right. he doesn't know if he's on the ship or if he's already gotten oh, off. Also, and he, he just kind of silently walks away and goes. And he's there waiting for him because he knows where he's going to be. Right. And, and that duel is so perfect. When like, he senses him... He doesn't say, he says, hmm, I haven't felt this in a long time. He doesn't see, he's like, I haven't felt this since when, and he stops talking. And oh, I yeah. love that. I'm like, you could have easily ruined it. Said, oh, I don't I haven't seen him since the Clone Wars or something. But right. he, he right. could have done something cheesy there, and they didn't. He stops talking so where they're like, we don't know where we're going to go with this, so we're not going to dig a hole. We have to fill. We're just going right. to 
Well, it's really good acting. That trailing off like that is exactly what you could do if you could feel someone's presence tickling your mind. Yeah. You would be like, what is going on? Like, is he here? Is yeah, I, I like that. And I like their door. I like the, you know, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master yeah. of evil, Darth. And, <laughs> I, oh, man. It's like, yeah. So that is my my absolute, my actual favorite scene of the movie. My, yeah. My it's second great. favorite is the boardroom, but my favorite scene of the movie is that right there. It's, and then they, they the, the escape is really simple for them when they get off the Death Star. I mean, they fight a couple. They have the little part where they, and I, I, still, I still like they this part. They kill like they, seven people. <laughs> yeah, and when they like, fight the TIE fighters, don't oh, get yeah. caught, kid. So like, yeah, and yeah, yeah that's, that, that's what we were talking about earlier with the turrets. Yeah, I got ahead of myself. I always think the TIE fighter thing's before that, but it's after. I did too. I was, yeah. I didn't remember when it was. Peter, yeah, didn't want to say about the Death Star still before we move on? Oh, no, I, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, okay. I've said a lot of good stuff, but I, I like, I like the dual scene uh, where the, the, the TIE, well, the TIE fighter duel uh, is coming up because it's, it's like you just had a big action scene and there's like an emotional high, but then you like a, like any good serial, you get right into another action scene right away. Yeah. And they could have easily just had them fly to Yavin, but they added this one little bonus action. And I think that was a really good choice because the also, music's great. This could have um, been the end of the movie too. Right. By the way. Yeah, it could have like Obi-Wan dying and then them getting away and destroying the TIE fighter. That feels like it could be the end of the movie. But then we still have a whole other act of the movie left. It's also the shortest act. This is only it's it only is. about twenty or thirty minutes, or I think it's twenty minutes. It's not long. Right. Where they get to Yavin, you have seen of some random guy. Oh, Luke! I haven't seen you since then. Like, who the fuck are you? You're, oh yeah, deleted scene. You assholes! You took out. I'm gonna complain yeah. on that. And it, <laughs> now that it, I that we have uh, General John Dodonna like showing them the uh, the Death Star plans and all that. I don't. Yeah, um, I just it's the only C, it's the only CG in the movie. Yeah, the only computer generated, and it's you know very primitive, but it still works because it oh, looks yeah. like it's just a blueprint. It's just a blueprint of the Death Star. Yeah. It's like it, it, lo- it looks good. It, you know, yeah, it should be it looks- a lot matter at you know Han Solo and Luke because they're the reasons why they're in trouble like this. Well, well they they needed the they, plans. I mean, they needed the plans. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, without Han Solo and Luke, they wouldn't have the plans to the Death Star. And this thing is gonna. I mean, even if it's not going to destroy them, it's going to destroy other planets like alderaan that support the rep the rebels and so the you know they've got to just dis- the destroying the death star this is like their big thing so no i think it i i, I get it i get it and you know prince uh, ultimately also i think a lot of them look at leia as like i don't know this may be a lot of the like extended universe creeping in but it, I, I always <laughs> felt like they looked at leia as like the kind of the heir to the the, right. the leadership like i think the Jimmy Smith is supposed to be kind of really uh, a major leader of the rebellion. Right. And yeah. It's and it's his daughter, you know, it's, it's, it's Bail Organa's daughter. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now that he's gone. She's got to take up the mantle. So they, yeah. I don't know if that was really planned or not, but that's definitely what I, again, I, it's hard for me because I've seen these movies so much, but I've also read, you know, 38 star Wars novels. And so I've got all this like EU <laughs> stuff in my head. That's not Canon anymore. But it's like, hard to divorce yourself from what you know. It is. To I'm just like, come thinking, to this I'm with a. Her, yeah, I'm watching her as like you know, 17 year old princess, and I'm also thinking about her as um, chancellor of the new republic. Right. You know, it makes sense. And yeah, I I, I would, didn't want to. Oh, go ahead. I want. I just want to say one thing before before I forget. There was when you know Luke comes to Yav and he meets up with Biggs, and we're introduced to the character really for, for the first time theoretically. <laughs> There was a scene 
where, where, where uh, Red Leader comes over and he talks to them and he barely says, you'll do fine. In the, you know, in deleted scenes you can find in YouTube, um, there is a scene where Red Leader comes over and says, oh, you're Skywalker, huh? I knew your father in the Clone Wars. He was a good pilot, and so you will be too. They cut that out of good. the scene that's in the movie, but it's just an interesting artifact and it kind of proves that, you know, they didn't have this planned out beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't well, at all. I mean... The pre- but I mean, they, they they make good on that in the prequels. They have yeah. um, Anakin as like a star pilot right. in the Clone Wars, so it's it's fine. But yeah, it, it I think it is better not having that. Right, exactly. Now the Red Leader is not Wedge, right? Wedge is just a member of Red Squadron at this point, right? Yeah, yes. Red Red yeah. Red Leader is like the old. He's like the seasoned pilot who tries right. to he tries to shoot the thing and misses. So. He hits the rim. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, doesn't like everybody die. That goes out there almost. Except, except for like no. Wedge and maybe one other pilot. They all yeah. All Wed, Wedge Wedge lives. Uh, does Red Leader die? Yeah, Red Leader dies. He gets okay, he does right after he says an impact on the surface, and then he gets shot down. Yeah. And don't forget oh, about Porkins because right, he's going to make a second. He was going to make a second. Yeah, round. yeah. Porkins right. dies. Biggs dies. They kill. Uh, there's mean, like Tyree it, Hutch. Well, we could talk about Yavin. Yeah, let's talk about it's that. such a brutal oh. scene. Like, I mean, looking back at this and I'm rewatch, I mean, to me, brutal yeah. as an idea, how much, how bad, like, you know, I mean, all these pilots get together, they go to the Death Star, they have literally half an hour or less before the Death Star is going to destroy them. I think 15 minutes, yeah. you know, you pointed yeah, out and, a funny and Han Solo leaves. Yeah. Han Solo yeah. leaves and you're like, oh man. And it's like, and Luke's like, oh, I guess that's all you care about. You got your money. I guess that's all you care about anyway. And, and right. Han's like trying to get him to come with him. Cause, cause Han's not a bad guy, but he's not a, he's not a revolutionary. He's just a dude getting by in the universe and he doesn't want to get caught up in some, I mean, like rebellion. Like, I mean, how many of us would have been like, yeah, hell yeah. Let's join the rebellion. We're going to fight. Like most people would just be like, I'm just going to get the hell out of here. Right. <laughs> like, you're you're, you're uh, screwed. Like, you're planning that, about that's it. A, it's a space station, the size of a moon that can blow up planets. <laughs> guys. like right. pack up, live to fight another day. Like you, you can kind of see it, but it's like, it's a, the whole thing is is really good, and that they just give Luke a, t- a Tie Fighter. I mean, a, a, a Starfighter. They're like, here, all right, here, here's the next wing. I mean, the way I look at it now is that they don't have that many pilots. I mean, yeah, no, they needed him. I get it. Yeah, They're, there's yeah. only I think you see is uh, twelve X wings and like six Y wings is all you see in that original. In that, oh, and that scene though, like I know, I know it's an extended edition scene because I remember being advertised constantly back when these special editions came out. Where the Tie Fighters go in front of the of the planet Yavin, or the the X Wings, X Wings. Sorry, yeah, and that no, scene is so good. Except I didn't realize till so you guys pointed out that the Death Stars in that scene, the Death Stars lined up, so they don't need to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's well, well, no, it's kind no, of mi- no, it's, it's minor, but I don't, well, I it's like because it Yavin is they're not on Yavin, they're on Yavin Four, which is a moon of right. Yavin, and the Death Star is circling around Yavin to get to where it can hit the moon. So I mean, I, I don't think that. It lines. I don't think in that scene it lines. It's up close though. It's, yeah, it's it is close. close, but it should be. It should be. They don't. I mean, hit, they don't want to hit Yavin for whatever reason. I think it's a beautiful shot. So I don't. Maybe the gas giant's too big. It's probably just too big to blow. That's, that's um, my thought process. I think it looks beautiful. Okay. This is my my the thing I I was gonna say with the special editions. The only things I like about the special editions is I like this part, and then I I feel like they did a good job of just grading some of the like special effects stuff like the make the lightsabers look more real the blaster shots look better things like the little remaster stuff is what i like in the special editions and then yeah this this scene of them flying in front of yavin and opening their attack foils 
and stuff. Yeah. I don't, they don't open them here yet, do they? I think, yeah, no, they don't yet. They're just cruising, and then when they say lock in your right, attack foils or something. Yeah. It yeah. says uh, open oh, uh, open attack foils to or open yeah. S foils to attack position. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah, right. And they call them S. They call them S foils. And, and like this whole scene, or what they're doing, I think it it hit me more this watch. Where you think about like this is their last chance. If they fail, the rebels are done, and they have to fly into a trench full of turrets. I mean, they send fighters after after them later on. Like, I mean, it's a it's a, it's suicide, a suicide run. Mission. Period. Yeah. It is, and they're right. they're all like throwing themselves at it. It's, I mean, it's 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 D Day, yeah. Know, of just like we're gonna throw a hundred and ten thousand soldiers at these beaches into machine gun fire, and you know, as long as they can over, you know, as long as enough of them can survive to get up to the cliff, you know, it's that, it's that, it's yeah. So it, it is. It's a really well done scene, and yeah, I I want to see that you said it's called the Dam Breakers, Dam Busters, Dam Busters, nineteen fifty five. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to see that to see the. I just that does sound cool, but just like what they go through and and like and the thing I mean, that saves Vader's life that he can be in another movie, thankfully for Lucas that they didn't kill him. That he right. leaves the Death Star. He's like, I'll go do it myself, and he gets into my one of my. I love his Tie Fighter, by the way. Yeah, I love that Vader's Tie Fighter. It's like a, it looks kind of like a big Tie Interceptor. Yeah, but yeah. We haven't seen Tie Interceptors yet. They didn't introduce those until <laughs> uh, Jedi, but. It looks like a big tie intercept, like a bigger tie interceptor. It's a great fighter, and yeah, like that idea shield, that he has shields apparently. But he goes behind them, and he's taken, and he's taken, and he's the reason that they start failing because he's taken out a bunch of the pilots. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's taken them out left. He's right. a great pilot. Yeah, and that's like you said, Mike. It's brutal because you you see all these like young pilots who are just like almost get to where they're going. They all get brutally blown up, and you see them like explode, and they're like, ah! and it's it it is brutal. It's it's like it takes his fantasy to a new level. Where it's yeah, like it's Luke, kind of a whimsical Luke, fantasy. Doesn't Luke cry out when Biggs dies? I think he. Biggs. I think he can, maybe. Oh. I think he kind of gives like definitely gives a sad face, or he's like, "Oh no, I don't yeah. know if he cries out exactly." Yeah, I can't remember now, but um, I, I, I inject a lot of like. I just this is so good, and it looks so cool. And if you see how right. they made it, it's so amazing because they just straight up built this entire thing. It's like on, yeah. it's like in a it's like in a gigantic room. It's this big, like, 50-foot-long model, and they yeah. just, like, sped a camera on a dolly down it. <laughs> yeah. Like, on, that, on a hanging dolly thing. And it's, like, it's really cool, because, like, now you would just build this thing in CG. And yeah. it would, yeah. in the best CG ever, it would still not look real the way this looks like an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it is an actual thing. That's what I, I kind of, like, I've converted my son a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's, like... Because I, I I don't want to like make him not like the sequels like and we and and I think that's actually the best thing about the sequels is that they do a lot of practical stuff still in them. But uh, he and I were watching the original trilogy recently, and I was and I was like, don't you like? Do you see why this 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 looks so good? It's because it's it's they're really doing it. He's like, yeah, that's that's true. Like he, I'm actually converting him a little bit into like preferring <laughs> the practical effects over the Excellent. CG. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That's the way you have to do it, I think. Yeah, and like. You know, so we're watching, we're watching this and I'm like, they, you know, we, and I show him like, like, uh, corridor crew and I'm like, he and I, he got me into corridor crew, the YouTube series. And they do like the VFX artists react where they show how they do special effects and stuff. And they had, they had on one of the guys that worked on the trilogy and he's just talking about how they did it and they're showing the models and all that stuff. And it's really cool. It's like, we watched that. Yeah. So it, it is, it is, uh, it's really well done. Really great scene. And then we get the Luke turn, you know, use the force, Luke, mm-hmm. right? 
Switch off your targeting computer. You switch, <laughs> you switch off your targeting computer. It's all right. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so cool. And it's such a good idea of like him, because we saw earlier that he couldn't do this. Right. Like because yeah, the guy used the computer, he missed, and then you know it wasn't if it was, and you know he's getting lined up, and then it wasn't for the fact that Han Solo comes back, he blows up, he shoots Vader, knocks him off course, and he saves Luke. Otherwise, Luke would have been murdered right, right there. And then Luke, and then Luke makes. And I was thinking that it mirrors when Luke, right before Alderaan's blown up, when Luke is training with the lightsaber on the Millennium Falcon, and right. and Obi Wan's trying to get him to understand that the Force is better than his own senses. Right. And so he makes him yeah. wear the helmet blacked out and he's getting shot by the targeting droid. But then he does it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I did it. And then Obi-Wan like collapses because of the of Alderaan being destroyed. Yeah. And and now we're having that same idea of he tries it. He tries to do it the normal way that anyone else would do it. And he fails and he has to trust in the force and believe mm-hmm. in himself. And so him turning off the targeting computer is the same as him putting the, the blast shield over his face in, in that earlier scene. It's a it's a parallel. That's when you get the first instinct of like, okay, this guy, this guy's strong in the forest. The forest is strong with this one. Is, is I love that. Is. Yeah, the forest is strong with this one. Because you can sense he's realizing, <laughs> oh, who is this guy? This guy is somebody special. Yeah. I mean, as we know from the next movie, his whole thing is to try and find whoever flew up the Death Star. But yeah, yeah. Well, he, I think he finds out because he's he's straight up. He's like the you know the son of Skywalker. Or I mean, he's he's telling the Emperor that this guy could be an, a great asset. And then yeah. he goes to challenge him. So it's like he's figured it out by the second movie. And yeah, I mean, we, you know, I hope we get to talk about the other movies because that is that, that journey of Vader going from the Force is Strong in this one to throwing the Emperor down the, the bottomless <laughs> pit is like that journey is, I think, a really well done. It pays off. It, it, it like yeah. the whole thing, it feels like every step of the way, they nothing was cheated. There's no cheat there even though it wasn't originally planned. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So then he blows up the Death Star and the original theatrical version does not look that. And this is another place where I think the, where I'll give credit to the, the remake or the uh, special editions, the explosion looks way better in the special editions. There's a big shock wave. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the line right before where one of the guys comes up to talk and he's like, this could work. We should evacuate. He's like in our moment of triumph. Right. <laughs> yeah. We can see the Tarkin's hubris. Yes. And he does him in. He <laughs> like uh was a general like General Tag at the beginning. He's like, there's a there's a possibility this could if they find a weakness they could exploit it. So you can tell oh, if yeah. somebody somebody in the Empire is like, we crunched the numbers and this might actually work. Yeah. But again, you have you always have leaders in many different you know, in real life too, the people are like just right. are too stuck up their own ass and can't won't right. list other people when it goes against what they believe. And that's yeah, and that makes I think, sense to the empire, which again makes sense to any type of dictatorship, you know, government in his, as history has proven. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I mean, and, I mean look at Hitler again with 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 Hitler and the Nazis. You know, like that was a big reason that the Germans lost was everyone was afraid to defy Hitler, and Hitler was not a military strategist. He was he was a conscripted corporal in the Wehrmacht in World War One, and that's it. And like, and but he takes whenever he takes over he makes bad decisions attacking russia or pulling pulling all but two divisions out of normandy like i have i have said this to a lot of people over the years that hitler could have like if he would have done things differently world war ii could have went a lot different oh yeah you know i teach i teach u.s history and i always tell my students the reason (laughs) that we're speaking 
you know, English and not German right now is because Hitler <laughs> decided to attack Russia because, yeah. you know, for some perspective, you know, 485,000 Americans died in World War II or six, well, 485 died in World War II and uh, 28 million Russians died in World War II. So they were doing the majority of the fighting. They were already beating the Nazis by the time we actually joined in the fight, um, yeah. like on, on the east, on the Western front. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's true. It's, it's the hubris of these people that become dict- authoritarians get used to everyone, you know, think everyone following their orders. So then they get to thinking that they're actually right all the time. Yeah. I, I think the ending of Tarkin is great. Like he's just staring at the screen. Like he's, as far as he knows, like at any moment they're about to fire on Yavin, and then boom, he <laughs> yeah, just out. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Up too. He doesn't have any idea that they've that they're that that Luke's just fired that torpedo. Yeah, I think it was the last time they commenced primary ignition. You could hear in the background or something like they're <laughs> literally on the cusp of firing. I love the sounds of the the Death Star, like that like sound effect of like yeah, boom. like it's powering up. Yeah, boom. I love it. I love it. And then you get, and then when you see them fly away, and I also like thinking, like, yeah. I know the joke, it's a side joke, but the fact that Tarkin didn't like the boots, so he's wearing slippers in every scene where you can't see. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that he was, the actor was, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. Wearing yeah. Slippers. There's only, and I paid attention now, there's only one scene where you see him wearing his boots walking <laughs> and you never see his feet again after that one scene. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to be comfortable on the set. Oh, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, I mean, it doesn't hurt the movie at all. You wouldn't no. even know if it wasn't something that got out. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like it. It's good. It's just hilarious <laughs> to me now. <laughs> all right. So they get back to Yavin and uh, what happens, what happens next, Mike? <sighs> okay. I, I'm a little hurt, but we'll get there shortly. So I was watching this and this is the, the ceremony scene where everybody's, you know, all the people are standing there and they have a part where they all move and they march. And then you have like this classic dude. I'm like, oh, and I was literally tearing up when I was watching this last night. And I've seen this movie dozens of times. It's not my first time. I knew exactly what was coming. And for some reason, when the music starts, they start walking down. I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, I literally had my eyes are watering. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't you say like your, did you and your wife walk down the aisle to that? Yes, episode? but I forgot that. <laughs> Yo, we'll say that might be part of why it's so emotional for you. And so, well, that would make sense. But I mean, again, it was having, you know, the subconscious memory, the subconscious yeah. knew the mic watching the movie completely forgot that happened <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah it wasn't until later my wife passed out from all this too and i just but that makes sense why it hit me more and i just and i i love this scene i also love what jack is wearing for some reason i think he just looks awesome and it's just such a good scene now i have a little bit of issues with it which we'll, we'll get to once i finish but it's just like, the way that they cheer when they get back and in fact, even the deserter Han Solo gets a medal because he came back. Why should we just get a medal? I don't know, but <laughs> racism. Yeah, just wait forty years and they'll the droids don't get medals either. I mean, all of this, none of this would have happened without R two, especially. So they give to the two white men who are there. All <laughs> typical. But yeah, uh, no, I think it's a beautiful scene. Um, we can discuss the problem with it if you want. I can and put on my my history teacher hat again whenever you one want. One second, and then. The other thing like about it, and then I was, so I'm starting to cheer up. He gives them the medals. They turn around, and then it goes from the throne room song to the ending song in the credits. I'm just like, yeah, it's really well done. It's very well done. But yeah, I completely I, forgot my wife walked out to this, to this song. Completely <laughs> forgot. That's awesome. Until she said something to me. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, that's that's yes, that's why I was crying. That's why. Yeah, and I, I, I want to think subconsciously, I mean, sure, subconsciously, but to be honest, I think it's just, I have always 
love this scene. Even before I got married, yeah. I love this scene. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. what happened. There, you know, most people are all you know. This all probably left the rebel army because everybody's been killed. Yeah, you, you don't great. need any dialogue. You don't need any more like catch ups. I think this is the perfect way to end it. Yeah, it's just music and and looks and you know, Leia gives kind of like a kind of a very like warm smile to each of them because we haven't set up the uh, love triangle quite quite yet. They started though. There's a small. No, they started it. They started. There's it. a exactly. small line with Ford, her Han Solo, where he says, "You think a guy like me?" He's like, "No, <laughs> Luke yeah. is." Because Luke's obviously got a crush on her. <laughs> so it, that was good. Yeah, it's a good scene. All right, and Carrie, do you want to say what, what's wrong with this scene that I did not okay. know and wish okay. I did not know? So, so um, 1936, <laughs> the Olympics were held in Berlin in Nazi Germany. The Nazis hosted the Olympics. And they made a movie. They made a documentary. Hitler had a um, propaganda, had a filmmaker, a woman named Lenny Riefenstahl, and she made a documentary about the 1936 Berlin Olympics and about the and about the Nazis in general. About and it's a propaganda film that won the best foreign picture Oscar in 1937. And so yeah, and this scene is lifted directly, shot for shot from a scene from that movie triumph of the will <sighs> it's the name of the movie so it is uh it is bizarre because elsewhere this movie has been the empire are the nazis right and then we have this scene where the rebels are the nazis and them the chewy and them walking down the aisle they are walking where they where they walk you know where we have them is it it's 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 chewy han and luke that walk down the aisle right yes yeah. So when they're walking down the aisle, the way it like pans up and kind of like it, the the camera kind of is like above them and kind of tilts up behind them, and as they're walking through these like ranks of soldiers up to the dais, that is like exactly shot for shot from Triumph of the Will of Hitler and two of his people walking down this line of German soldiers at a. It's not the Olympics. It's a not. It's a Nazi rally at Nuremberg and. But they use that in Triumph of the Will. It's it's a shot they use in Triumph of the Will, and uh, yeah, that's a. It's just it's it's not on accident. It's not on accident. It's <laughs> it's really weird. And there's a history of filmmakers doing this kind of thing. Like um, there's a movie uh, Birth of a Nation, which is a pro KKK propaganda film, big time from 1913. And that film George Romero made uh, Night of the Living Dead is in a lot of ways an homage to Birth of a Nation. The zombies right. in Night of the Living Dead are based on the blackface black soldiers that like terrorize the South in Birth of a Nation. And this is like, I don't know. I, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not like that. I say. It's not okay. <laughs> I guess it's I clearly, guess the question go ahead. It's it's clearly yeah, it's it's clearly a reference to that. And I feel like it's another one, though. It may be another one of those, as we were talking about, film nerd references that George Lucas was going for. I mean, the yeah, average person would, wouldn't have picked up on it. But I'm sure, I wonder what the thought process was. I don't know enough. But I'm sure it was kind of like, George Lucas was like, we need a military celebration. And he undoubtedly had seen, you know, the, the recent millennial reference dolls. Yeah, yeah, and I he mean, was like... When George Romero was in film school, film schools were showing Birth of a Nation because it right. pioneered, like panning shots birth of a nation is like the first mm-hmm. movie with like uh panning and it's the first movie with iris like screen wipes and stuff 
And yeah. so they would show Birth of a Nation in film schools back in the 50s and the 60s when George Romero was in film school. And similarly, I'm sure they watched Triumph of the Will in right. film school when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and them were there. And so, yeah, I'm sure it was just a film nerd thing that he was showing his friends like, oh, look, I put Birth of a Nation in my movie. I'm mean, not Birth of a Nation. I put Triumph of the Will in my movie. Isn't that funny? Isn't that neat? Right. But it's weird. It's a weird choice to make, especially it is weird. Where a, a movie where you've so clearly on the nose referenced the Nazis as being bad guys to then end the movie with the Nazis as the good guys. It's weird. It's, right. It's, it is kind of strange. It's, it's an odd choice. It's fine. I personally think it's whatever, you know, but it's, it is funny. And it's something, of it's course, prob- yeah, you don't know. Problematic is the, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because I didn't even know about Triumph of the Will until I was in college, and you know I was studying the Nazi Olympics, and I went to the the Holocaust Museum, one of the Holocaust museums, the one in Houston, and uh, mm-hmm. they had the they had an exhibit on the Nazi Olympics, and they had film from Triumph of the Will, and I've seen that shot in that like, they, had, they had like <laughs> Wait, Triumph of the Will, they had like clips from Triumph of the Will playing on a screen while you're walking around looking at all this you know exhibits and stuff, and it's like. I, so I've seen it. I mean, this is very much exactly what it is. Like, there's no mistaking it. It's clearly that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that, knowing this fact now, but okay. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's something. I mean, I get I it. I, mean, I also feel like at the time, not, you know, people who weren't in film school wouldn't have known. Like, it's not held even to this day. I, I this is the first time I ever heard it. About yeah, that yeah. And, and, and to be clear, there's no way George Lucas is pro-Nazi. He is very clearly right. anti-Nazi. That is written mm-hmm. through his films. It's in, I mean, Indiana Jones, you know, the Nazis are the bad guys in two out of three films with that. The two good ones, yes. Yeah, the two, yes, the two good Indiana Jones movies. The, the, the out of Nazis the four. Out of the, three, out of the three that exist, the two, <laughs> the Nazis are the bad guys. So, no, I'm, I, I'm sure that, yeah, George Lucas is definitely not pro-Nazi. It's just a weird decision. Right. It is, it is weird. It would not would not be made the same way today, probably. Yeah, they wouldn't do that today, I don't think. No. If someone did that today, it would be someone who was actually pro-Nazi. Like a, <laughs> yes, which an, an anti-Nazi filmmaker like George Lucas would not do that. Right. Which unfortunately happens in this world today. But. Oh, yes, yes. Right. But. Right. <sighs> I, Any, I will yeah. say one, one more thing before we, because we're wrapping up. You know, you mentioned the music, and I think this movie owes, you know, more than half of its success, I'd say, to, to John Williams, who oh, his God. music stupendous and magical and you know all you have to do is play play the theme and people conjure up memories you know mm-hmm. play any part any track from any of the soundtrack and it, you know where it was and you know you know it just brings up all sorts of images so john williams is a genius everything Absolutely. he pretty much does is a genius and george lucas i'm sure you said this but george lucas owes him a lot for that Definitely. for the success i mean i love the music in this and anyone who listens to the show enough knows i'm not a big music guy but it's the same thing. This music hits spots. Like that throwing her make made me freaking tear up. Right. Like it just yeah, that's it is. It is it's great music. I think if you play a lot of Star Wars video games, you'll hear a lot of these tracks over and over again, and that probably has something to do with it as well. So and yeah, was the I Imperial don't, don't get tired of them because they're so well done. No. Was right. the Imperial theme in this movie or like very little, no, right? It's not that no. oh, no, wasn't okay. uh, wasn't written until Empire. Yeah. Okay, because this is missing the scene that I thought was this movie, but isn't this movie where Vader's heading to the ship? And all the stormtroopers stand there, but I think that's Return that's, of the that's Jedi. That's in Jedi, yeah. Okay. That's in right. Jedi. And all I can ever think of is how people like to dub that scene with different music, like romantic music, <laughs> and how much it changes the scene. <laughs> Very true. I, I, I love that. It's like this is this is how you show 
you know, music is different. Like it really affects the scene. You put like some romantic song and it just doesn't it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Very true. That's so true. I, I always I always I always laugh at that part when I whenever I see the <laughs> meme come up with that where it has that music, I'm like, ah okay. That's all. <laughs> uh, we should go to shelf stack or box. And I'll go first. This is obviously going on the shelf. This is probably this is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. This would be this isn't my favorite movie of all. It's up there with my one of my favorite movies of all time. It's definitely my favorite Star Wars movie. I I get a kick out of this movie all the time. I love how it's a standalone movie, even though it's the beginning of a complete series. But they didn't know that yet. And it's just it's so good. And I love the fact that it ends. It wraps up. It ends on a happy note. And you don't have all your characters lose a hand, get get vanished off the face of the earth. Everything just disappears and everybody's in turmoil. I like that there isn't that. So, you know, going on the shelf. And I'm really glad that we I got to re, I got to finally watch it and cover it on the show. Uh, what about you, Peter? Keep it on the shelf for sure. Certainly one of the greatest movies of all time. And no matter where you think of the Star Wars trilogy, you know, I personally love the dark and adult themes of Empire. However, this one is the probably most complete Star Wars movie. It's a story from beginning to end. If you never saw another Star Wars movie, you could just see this one and be fine. And that's why it's timeless, in my opinion. So definitely keep it on your shelf. Watch it. And what about you, Carrie? Yeah, exactly what Peter said. My favorite is Empire. This is my second favorite, and it's a close second. This is, um, and I think, uh, like I was saying earlier, Empire is my favorite, but this is probably the best overall made movie in this series it's it's a complete movie and it does everything it needs to do and yeah like i would hope that you would see more than just this but if you only saw one star wars movie this is the one you have to see yeah yeah definitely and again as i said at the top of the show i want to thank patreon for people voting for this because i really wanted to rewatch this and and the next voting was phantom menace that people wanted us to cover people didn't vote for force awakens that would have been fun in a different way (laughs) <laughs> we will do it. I want to cover Phantom Menace. I don't want to cover Tactical Clones, but we will. And I don't want to cover Revenge of the Sith, but we will. I, I'm very interested in talking about Phantom Menace with you, if only to see your defense, your extreme <laughs> oh, defense of the movie. Yourself. Yes. <laughs> I still like that movie a lot. It's great. And I it's watched great. it right before Rise of Skywalker came out with the last time I saw it. Oh, no, I put it on. No, I put it on since then. When I edit, it's one of my movies I'll randomly throw on when I'm editing just to watch it. Okay. What I like to say is the Phantom Menace has a really good, solid, like 15 minutes of content <laughs> in it that I and I will occasionally just watch scenes from Phantom Menace that I like. But you mean the whole movie, the whole movie's good. No, the movie itself <laughs> is. I mean, what I'll say about this is it's it's better than than uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, that's wrong. This, wrong. this is why. This is why we need to do this. Well, we will. This, yeah. it is. I want to cover the nine main movies. And so I want to cover all 11. And hell, I'm covering yes. Star Wars Ewok was supposed to be recorded at the time you're hearing this a month, a couple weeks ago, but it fell through. But I did watch Star Wars Caravan of Courage slash Lord of the Rings. because that's what that movie is. <laughs> and I'm going to cover it and rewatch it again because I hate myself. But yeah. Yeah. I have to rewatch it because it's been too long now. So my recording got, got canceled and I got a uh, fucking that's movie. A, that's a masochism right there. <laughs> To watch that movie twice? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. That movie, but it's really Lord of the Rings. If you watch it, which I don't recommend, but you can, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. All right. And uh, Peter, where can people find you at? If you go to Amazon and uh, look up The Fifth Civilization, that's my first sci-fi novel. It's part of a trilogy. And uh, start with that one. And uh, if you like it, please uh, think about buying the other ones, too. All right. And where can the people find you, Carrie? 
I'm on Twitch and uh, occasionally TikTok at uh, Carusetta, K-E-R-O-O-S-E-T-A. Um, playing a lot of Elden Ring on there lately, but then I also repair and modify video game consoles. I just recently fixed a Game Boy Color on Twitch. So. Okay. And you can find all our episodes on Podbean if you're missing stuff that you can get. Because we have covered lots of episodes. I should look up how many Star Wars stuff we did. But while I'm looking it up, as I said before, go support us on Patreon. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We're only audio, but we are on YouTube. So definitely do that. I want to give a shout-out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Hellhasphere. You can follow her on TikTok. And I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU with me when we covered the Infinity Saga. And I don't know if we'll ever pick that up again, because I don't think any of us want to. But I, I'm trying. I'm thinking about it, because I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot and want to cover more Marvel for some reason. And he started his own podcast, Gamer Looks for You definitely go check him out. And if you want to hear more Star Wars, we have done Star Wars Dark Force Rising, Comic 36, Star Wars Book of Boba Fett, TV4, Star Wars Heir to the Empire, Comic 34, Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 1, TV2, Star Wars Dark Empire 2, Comic 30, Star Wars Dark Empire, Comic 27, Star Wars Fortune Unleashed, Episode 115, Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2, TV1, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, Episode 87, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Part 1 and 2, Episode 69. Star Wars Darth Vader, Dark Lord the Sith, Comic 6. Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, Episode 48. Star Wars Holiday Special, Film 6. Star Wars Republic Commando, Episode 21. And Star Wars Dark Forces, Episode 13. God, Star Wars is now going to be the top because we already have two other ones. We have this coming out, and then we have The Last Command coming out shortly after this. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, I've done a lot. A lot of, lot of Star Wars. <laughs> and, and, the fun, and the funny part is I never covered the original movies until just now I covered the first one after all yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that, to be honest, but <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't always make sense when I do on this show. And I think that's everything I need to say. So, yeah, just go follow us wherever you want to find us. We're everywhere. And we will see you next time with more Star Wars because I'm going to try. I'm going to make Empire Strikes Back happen one way or the other on this show in a month or two. So one way or the other. So yes, we will see everybody next time. Bye, everybody. May the force be with you. Good. (laughs) 